Hey guys, DJ here. Uh, in lieu of our normal episode this week, we decided we were going to share some of our exclusive Patreon content with you of our gameplay of Candela Obscura. Uh, it was run by Danil, and we had an absolutely fantastic time. If you listen to our Candela Obscura episode, you've already heard bits and pieces of this, but this is going to be the full uncut episode. So we hope that you enjoy it and that it inspires you to check out our Patreon, and thank you for the support in advance. All right. Um, do we need to go uh, through the base mechanics of the game? And uh, that would be... That'd yes, be... please. Right. Yeah. What about the setting? Uh, the setting, oh. just minorly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, what about, um, like, um, I di- you didn't submit any of your uh, personal sort of lines, so I assume that everything that's in the list is okay, you're okay with, and you don't have anything else to add. Um, okay, mm-hmm. so... Uh, um, this uh, this particular um, horror session is pretty mild. Uh, there's nothing like uh, uh, extreme here uh, that you would not expect in a uh, in a crazy horror game. Uh, but um, generally, the setting is post-war, so there's uh, references to like the war, the world loss of life, and uh, PTSD. So people who, mm-hmm. so for example, will I think you're playing a soldier, right? Yes. Mm. Um, so, for example, uh, you would know that there was a war rather recently in this uh, world, and uh, the Fairlands, the new fair nation, won that war due to advances in, in uh, technology, electric and otherwise. So electricity is a rather new thing. It's a kind of a new and volatile and dangerous technology at the, at the moment. So this is a roughly uh, turn of the century equivalent of our own world, but it has magic in it, which is dangerous. Mm -hmm. So that's a little bit about the setting. The, uh, most of the game takes place either in New Fair or in the Fairlands, uh, that being the areas around the city of New Fair. New Fair is a turn of the central industrial city built on the ruins of another city called Old Fair. And you uh, might have picked up on the weird language that the game has. Uh, it's like very to the point. Um, and that's sort of a signature of the uh, Neferian language is that it is uh, very direct. So if something's uh, like a spiky mountain, it would be called a spiky mountain on, uh, on the map and stuff. So, um, yeah. so that's kind of a quirk of the of the language. And um, the uh, city of New Fair is uh, what you would imagine an industrial city in, uh, in turn of the century. But because it's built on the ruins, the ruins of Old Fair uh, are ruins because they um, the alchemists of the old were experimenting with dangerous magics, which at some point, uh, with the growth of their experiments and venturing into the unknown, uh, caused a near apocalyptic event, uh, burying the city and sort of eva- uh, wiping it off the face of the earth, and as well as creating a chasm in the ocean. Uh, New Fair was built on top of that, and so there's still some interactions with the New Fairian ruins and. Uh, artifacts of old that slip into uh, our modern world, uh, creating 
what we call uh, thinnings. Um, and thinnings are places where the rea uh, the border between our reality and other dimensions is thin. As I said, uh, pe peculiarities of the Neferian language. Uh, things are, this is a thin border, so it's called a thinning. And uh, everything that's behind the thinning is called the flare. Let's kind of think about it as like the multitude of various dimensions. And uh, through these thinnings, the various horrors of other worlds seep into our world. And you'll be playing as members of Candela Obscura, uh, an ancient order dedicated to defeating these incursions and stopping them and protecting your world. Okay. Uh, quick tip on Craig: you can meet a server mute him uh, so that he doesn't scream into the micro into really? the ears. Oh yeah. man, <laughs> that is uh, really good to know. My players love to yell at Craig, though. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Every time I every time I say, "Okay, let's get Craig in," they say, "Well, look, welcome, Craig." And, uh, but, uh, we abuse Craig. Yeah, he gets, he gets an earful. Like, I'm to the channel already talking. Like, wait a second, you're interrupting people. You know, a thorough uh, scolding is due. Yeah. <laughs> All oh, right. Man. So that's a little bit about the setting of the Fairlands uh, and new, the new fair. Um, you will not gonna. We're not gonna go into very much details. The technology is roughly. Turning centrally, electricity is new. Uh, there is gas lighting. There is electrical lighting, which is more air. There are trams, and like there's this new things that are coming into the world. Uh, okay. When it comes to religion, there is one central religion called the Ascendancy, and then uh, there are various cults and like smaller, smaller religions. Um, the police is called the Periphery. And they are, as you would expect, not very nice people. Uh, <laughs> um, generally uh, regarded as the most violent gang in Newfair. Um, they're in power, but they're also not very nice. Uh, they're also in no way equipped to deal with anything supernatural. Um, there is a special uh, agency, however, government agency called the OUB. Um, and they deal with the supernatural, and they're kind of rivals to the Candela Obscura, because the general purpose of OUB is to keep magic a secret and just sweep everything under the rug and be done with it. Uh, whereas Candela wants to actually protect the people instead of just, you know, going men in black, pressing the flashlight and people forget it happened. <laughs> um... There is quite a bit of uh, class inequality in the setting um, for various reasons, um, but that's just kind of a reality that people live with. Um, the uh, new new fairlands are ruled by the uh, what's called the triumvirate, and that um, is the ascendancy that I mentioned, which is the religion the periphery, which is the law enforcement, and the primacy, which is the uh, actual uh, government, which is uh, similar to like a parliament with a prime minister. Um, we're not going to go 
deep into much of this. The only thing I'm going to mention is that there is a big university uh, in the district called the Briar Green, which is where our game will be taking place today. And the Briar Green is a, like a big campus area, uh, sort of on the outskirts of the city, with its own campus, with uh, some mansions, uh, some student housing, some uh, libraries, and such. It's kind of like its own district. Um, this is where we'll be playing today. Okay, awesome. Uh, when it comes to the game mechanics, I think it's easier to go through them if we just have a quick look at the at your character sheets, and we'll mm -hmm. just go like left to right, top to bottom. Okay. Um, so the base system uh, is that of uh, d6 dice pools. So you are going to be rolling pools of d6s, and if you have uh, and you have ways to increase your your pools and um, ability to help each other on those. Um, whenever it comes, there comes a um, moment in the fiction that we need to resolve that is um, uncertain. We mm -hmm. make a roll, right? And we, before we make a roll, we determine two things. One, what are the stakes? Are they high, low, or just medium, normal? Mm -hmm. Um, and the stakes are important because they determine the outcomes. So uh, that's the first thing we decide on, right? We sort of say, okay, how is this a high stakes role or is this just moderate stakes or low stakes? Then we talk about sort of expectations, just make to make sure that, uh, and most of the time I think we'll be on the same page, but uh, if you're unsure, or maybe I'm, I didn't communicate well enough the situation, and you think that your action might be better suited for the task than you, than it actually would be, I would then say, no, but this, just so to be clear, this will work this way. Like if you're trying to shoot down a helicopter with a pistol, it's not going to work. Uh, or <laughs> it might work, but uh, to a very limited effect. I have really good aim. <laughs> <laughs> I foresaw it working, so... <laughs> yes. Um, and then once we have established the stakes and possibly the expectations, we determine which action you're actually going to take. And usually it's kind of a dialogue between uh, yourselves and I, um, where we uh, say, well, you have sort of uh, on the character sheets, it says the three actions under each rating. Uh, it says like, this is roughly what it does. Uh, some of them will be like maybe more loosely fitted mm -hmm. and sometimes there are several approaches to the same problem uh like you can you know as we all know you can break the door you can lock pick it or you can just try and open it um and based on that the uh, the effect might be different the uh, the outcome um and then finally, I'll tell you, okay, so we agreed this is like a, this stakes roll, this is this action, go ahead and roll. And this is where you actually make a roll. And uh, to do that, you go to your sheet, you click on the three peep, on one of the three peeps that's next to your action rating. It will pop up a little window and it will show you how many base dice you have. And then you have an ability to 
uh, spend a drive mm-hmm. to add uh, to add uh, dice to your pool. And you can spend as many drives as you wish. You get one extra die per drive spent. There is an ability uh, to help your allies. Uh, so you, any of your ally at any moment can spend their drive and give you an extra die. They can only spend one and give you one die to, gotcha. as an assist. Um, you have three drives, nerve, cunning, and intuition, and um, an amount of uh, predetermined drives available to you, and um, you'll spend them. And the question that comes naturally then is how do you regain them? So as you see, there is little diamond symbols to, next to some of your actions. For example, for soldier, it's move and strike. And for the journalist, it will be uh, sway and survey. Those are called gilded actions. And once you roll your action, one of your die will be different. One of your dice will be different. It will be a gilded die. Uh, you may at any point choose, uh, or after seeing the result of the roll, you may choose to take the result on the gilded die. Uh, regardless of the results on other dice, and that's the result we go with, but then you regain a drive. So now I think is the uh, natural time to introduce what the dice rolls actually mean, right? So we have we have collected the pool of dice, we have determined the stakes, we rolled in action, we have rolled, let's say, 46. Mm-hmm. Now we look at the results, and we look at all of them, and we take the highest across. So it doesn't matter if you how many ones you have, threes, etc. We'll just take the highest across the entire pool, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the default. And then on one, two, and three, that is a failure. On four and five, that is a mixed success or partial success, which means you do manage to do uh, the action that you set out to achieve, uh, but there's a consequence. Maybe you take some... Uh, uh, damage, maybe uh, narrative gets worse, maybe the next action uh, you are going to try to attempt will be a higher stakes because you have caused the situation to get worse, maybe the time constraint speeds up, etc. There is some sort of consequence. Um, the uh, harm that you take uh, from failing or partial success uh, will be uh, determined by the uh, nature of what you're trying to attempt, what you're dealing with, the phenomenon. So, for example, um, getting into a duel would be a body, and experiencing psychological stress would be a brain, and then dealing with the fallout from uh, magics would be bleed. And those are the the marks that are under your actions, Um, and I'll tell you how many marks you'll take from that from failing a roll. Okay. Once you get three marks uh, in any... So once you fill the uh, marks counter uh, on your sheet, you gain a scar. Uh, your character falls unconscious in the scene. If there is a dynamic scene, there's, there's action going on, they, uh, they will be essentially unconscious and will need help to get up, to get up and get back into action. Uh, if there is, if it hap- so happens that we are out of action, um, you'll be okay. You'll manage to just move on, but you'll have this moment where you'll have to pause. Mm-hmm. If you fill uh, 
if you fill three marks in any of the three categories, you gain a scar. Once you gain a scar, your character falls unconscious. Once they get up, you take one dot from any of your action ratings and put it into a different one, describing to us how, how this experience affected your character. Should I give you an example, or is this uh, like more or less straightforward? I think that should be pretty straightforward. Uh, once we start getting into rolling, I think it'll be pretty cemented in. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. This will so, make a lot of sense when we actually start rolling. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so, like, I would take a uh, t circle off of move and put it to sway or something. Is that what you mean? Yes, exactly. Okay. Cool. Uh, so, for example... Um, you were in a fight you, that you were trying to escape from, and you, as you get up uh, after getting knocked down, you think to yourself, ah, maybe the next time I'll just try to talk my way out of it. And so you change from move to sway. So it's like That's you cool. choosing to approach things in the future differently. Basically, yeah. It affects, like, you change your personality a little bit, or yeah. uh, your approach okay. to situations. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that I'm interested in doing this, but... Mm -hmm. As a GM that's had problematic players, what? Um, <laughs> could somebody just keep moving the same point back and forth? How do you mean? Like over the course of getting scars? I get, well, do you die uh, after three scars? Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Never mind. Gotcha. I was going to say they could just bounce these points around. No consequences. <laughs> no, no consequences, death. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. All right. So, um, and it's you more, only, you so only this is a more episodic kind of game too. So when do marks normally, if you were running a full campaign, when do those kinds of things reset? Uh, great question. That will be between sessions. So mm -hmm. right now we're not going to go into deep, uh, too deep, uh, into the circle mechanics, but typically okay. at the start of the game, we would, before even making your characters, we would start with creating your circle. That is to say your crew, your, uh, you know, organization, your cell of Candela Obscura. Okay. We'll, uh, we will pick the special ability. We'll distribute resources that are available to clear the different kinds of your marks. Uh, so like some let you gain drive back, some let you clear some marks and, um, oh, yep, yep. and, uh, also a circle gives you a special ability. And you have an illumination track, which is essentially an experience track, right? Mm -hmm. And after each assignment, we would go through what you've done during the assignment and, um, what's it called? Just fill the track. We'll answer some questions, illumination right. questions, and fill the track. We're not going to do this for, uh, for this one. I just gave you a circle ability to all of you, which is called In This Together. Uh, with the assumption that you're coming with, uh, with the, into this as people who know each other from before. And I've kind of let, left this uh, up to you. Um, so if you haven't thought about it, you can start thinking about it now. Um, but also, it's not like a big deal. Um, yeah. And yeah. then right. you have your character special abilities uh, that are on the left under your sheet, uh, on the lower part of your sheet. Yeah. Uh, you have one from your role, uh, one from your specialty, and one from your circle. As, uh, and then as you would, in the campaign setting, as you would level up your character by improving your circle, right? Uh, you would gain new abilities here. You also might see that there is a list of gear on the right. And I don't know if you have played Blades in the Dark or games like that. Uh, mm -hmm. I've heard about them. I haven't played no. them yet. That's on our list. 
Okay. <laughs> uh, well, I do run those as well. Um, Sweet. <laughs> yes. Uh, so uh, the gear works similarly, and um, I like to explain it in the same way as explaining Blades of the Dark. Your characters, your investigators, are competent, smart. They've dealt with these issues before. They know how to prepare. So instead of painstakingly thinking, oh shit, what might I bring to this mission? Right. They would have already thought of it, but we as players don't have to. Exactly. So perfect. when a moment comes during the game where you think, oh shit, I could really use a weapon right now. And then you say, okay, well, I'll pull out my rifle. <laughs> and then as a soldier, you get, you know, your <laughs> yeah. heavy, heavy weapon. And we say, yeah, but yeah okay, it's sure. like the, Oh, I didn't, sense. yeah, I didn't buy the five gold, mm-hmm. you know, really long rope when I was <laughs> at the star. Darn, we don't have rope. No, it's like not. We have rope, yeah. right? Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the yeah. only limitation here is that you have three gear slots per assignment. Um, okay. So once you have marked off three, you don't have access to any more gear. That's all your preparation. Okay. Um, now, um, is that limitation only put on like directly mechanical kind of gear, whereas like there's other just like assumed like role-playing in character like oh my character has some tarot cards because i'm a weird or something like that like there's that kind of stuff but if you mark it off it it validates being marked off as gear if it has like a if it's a grappling hook if it's a smoke bomb or something like that correct yes so anything that gives you mechanical benefits uh, okay uh, handkerchief smelling of your beloved uh, would be uh would not take up your gear gotcha um, all right. Um, and then actually to the point of elimination keys, now that we've brought this up, right, just to get it out of the way. Uh, so at the end of the sec- session, we would typically go through your elimination keys and you can, during uh, the session as well, look at them and sort of remember, this is how I am supposed to act as this type of role and specialty. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're at the top right of your character sheet. Uh, so for journalists, for example, uh, you have what, like uh, gather yeah, yeah. information, uh, yeah. And for soldier, it's use violence uh, of action, protect someone, act tactically for medium. It's connect with a supernatural, sense something, sense a phenomenon, or um, make a scene. Yeah, right. Um, so these are sort of um, both role team playing tips as well as experience points. Right. Uh, so, yeah. So that's a kind of a, one of the things about these systems, both Forged in the Dark uh, engine and this engine that it's built on, is that XP is directly correlated to playing your character mm-hmm. instead of just being arbitrary slaying monsters XP from our everyone's favorite dragon game. Um, you run Cypher, right, DJ? Yes. Yeah, yep. so it's more like Cypher. Um, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. 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 Um, except this system also gives you rule, like sort of guidance on how to uh, how to how to acquire XP. Um, yeah. All right, I think that's everything when it comes to the, your character sheets and mechanics. Uh, do you have any questions? Oh, there's one um, more thing I forgot. Sorry. Go for it. There's a thing called resistances that you might see on the bottom under your. Actions, there is resistance. 
Oh, and yeah. there might be a couple of triangles or one or zero next to that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So question number one, how do we measure those? How do we get those? Uh, you have uh, for each three drives in uh, nerve cunning or intuition, for each three drives, you have one resistance. So you can see that, for example, on soldier's sheet, there's you have six nerve drives and two resistances in nerve. Uh, for journalist, you have six in cunning and two resistances in cunning. And then the one you have, then you have less th than three, that's zero regardless. For example, on the medium sheet, you have drives two in nerve, but zero resistances because it's not equal to three. Uh, so it's measured in threes. And then resistances, how do they work? Whenever you uh, make a roll and you see that the results are not as you uh, had hoped they would be, um, you uh, can say, I'd like to spend a resistance. And then you re-roll the amount of dice uh, that is uh, equal to your action rating. Uh, any additional dice that you have spent on the roll, you don't re-roll. Only the action rating rolls. Uh, what's the action rating again? Action rating is how many peeps you have next to each of your actions. Yeah. Okay, got it. So th that's the number of d6s that you roll on it. And so you're saying if you have a resistance in it, mm -hmm. what do you expend to use that? Is that just always on? Like that's You, sp you spend the resistance. That's it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So you spend the resistance to mm -hmm. then essentially re-roll the two pips that you have in that skill. Yes. Okay. That's exactly what when and that resistance refreshes every encounter or when does that after a session between sessions oh okay so that's mm -hmm. that's a high commodity high yeah it is so this is typically saved for high stakes rolls right so if you have zero pips into uh, into one of those skills or yeah uh, i you you don't get a dice to roll them for it correct so like Not if really. i want to use sway <laughs> If you want to use Sway and you have zero peeps in it, that means you roll two dice and take the lower results. Essentially, you roll two okay. to six disadvantage. Gotcha. I like that. Okay. I like that. Uh, yeah. Then, uh, even so, your characters are generally pretty competent, right? Uh, but rolling actions that you're not really trained in uh, gives you only like a 25% chance of success. However, yeah. by just pushing yourself a little bit and spending some drive, you can improve your odds significantly, going from 25 mm -hmm. to 50. And if you push yourself uh, or spend two drives, you suddenly at 75% chance of success. Right? And drives give us additional di dice equal right. to the number of drives we use. Correct. Yeah. Okay, so it's kind of like easing the roll from Cypher uh, and using effort and stuff like that. Yes, <laughs> very similar. Cool. Perfect. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Very cool. All right. I, I'm I'm excited in the interview section too to see how this differs from Blades in the Dark because it's it all sounds very similar. Again, I haven't played either yet, mm -hmm. and I know that's been a critique levied against Candela. I know they've also addressed it, so I'm just I'm excited to hear about that from a GM's perspective too. Okay. Yeah. So do you want to get that out of the way now? Because uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So my opinion is that uh, the same critique can be applied to uh, Blades in the Dark. Uh, in reference to um, Powered by the, the Apocalypse games, because yeah. that's the engine, the father engine of the uh, Forge in the Dark games. Right. And um, I've actually seen, you know, angry Redditors raving about how PBTA is basically uh, Forge in the Dark. 
Um, and it's the same thing. Like innovation, uh, they yeah. reference Forging the Dark Engines as great influence, and it is. Gameplay-wise, these two games are completely different. Mm. Um, where Candela Obscura is much more uh, narratively closer to a game like a can uh, like a Call, Call of Cthulhu, Cthulhu, for example. Yeah, it's a slow burn escalation horror game, or like Alien RPG, where things just get up, up, up. There's slow tension breaker, but it keeps going up. Slow tension breaker, boop, boop, boop. And then yeah. it's just a like a brewing investigation game where your stakes and um, your suspense increases throughout the game. Blades in the Dark is very much about just jumping into action. Uh, and it's very much back and forth narratively, whereas uh, Candela, Candela is uh, more linear. And, okay. uh, so Blades in the Dark is all about using your flashbacks and uh, sort of jumping back and forth, keeping preparation, right? So you go from free play where just roam around, suddenly you're in a heist three weeks later, and everything between that we filled with flashbacks. Um, and sort of that ref is reflected with the gear mechanics, with the uh, flashback mechanics, and uh, you can like flashback to downtime. There are so many cool things you can do in Forge in the Dark to um, emphasize that sort of we want to do cool shit trademark symbol. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, Candela Obscura is uh, also setting-wise, very similar settings, right? You have uh, sort of Victorian... Victorian London-like city, industrial, cursed stuff, bad stuff, bad stuff happens, classism, all of that. Um, completely different uh, narratives here as well. In Candela Obscura, you are the shield against the darkness. You're like you're protecting people, uh, whatever your reasons are. You might still be a complete dirtbag in protecting the people, but uh, in in Forged in the Dark uh, or Blades in the Dark specifically. You are fighting against the system. Mm -hmm. You because the system is as such, it's uh it's a machine. It's a well-oiled machine with massive gears. You either become part of the machine or it, you get ground up into fine dust. And it spits you out, just like it spat out thousands of others. Um so a different premise uh for characters. Um a lot of similarities, I agree, both mechanically and sort of setting-wise, but they do play pretty differently. Uh, yeah. Plus, what is innovation without a little bit of plagiarism? Totally. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> as a GM, uh-huh. Yep, mm -hmm. totally agree. Yeah. <laughs> I've so stolen I... so many narratives and nobody knows except me. Yeah, I didn't even know I stole one. Uh, I first uh, wrote my very first D&D campaign. I was very proud uh, of it. Uh, I thought it was great premise. It was like a very anti-colonialistic and stuff. Um, I was very happy with myself. And then I uh, described it to my partner. She said, oh, so basically Frozen 2. I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Like, ooh, <laughs> love it. Into the unknown. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so there's that. That's awesome. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I definitely hear where you're coming from. No, I just have been curious about that because I know it got a bunch of flack online, but I mean, CR kind of draws a lot of ire these days for yeah, lots of random reasons. So I'm always like, ah, okay, let's see how it is. I want to check it out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, people just look for reasons to be angry very often and yeah. Yeah. Sure take, take it out on random things. 
Uh, I just want to play cool games right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. My honest advice would be try it for yourself. See if you like it. You'll see the differences yeah. maybe that I've described. Um, chances are, if you like narrative games, you'll like it. Um, if you don't, yeah. you probably won't. There's yep. not like crunchy tactical combat or. Darn. <laughs> but we enjoy it. It's not. It's uh, so. Uh, in my community, we very much prefer the Fortune that our games uh, in general because of their fast pace and sort of um, just cool action and you know. Yeah. Right. Drama. Yeah. Yeah. But we also like Candela Obscura quite a bit and rate it highly. I do unfortunately have to run D and D to make ends meet, but. Mm. Yep. <laughs> right that's how i yep. feel right now it's like cool yeah. all of my 5e games they're filling up but like i really want to run more cypher yep. <laughs> i run a i run a D game that's basically blades in the dark with d20 <laughs> mechanics because <that's laughs> uh, yep. uh, it's about like super spies and a special ancient in a fantasy world in exander so um <laughs> there is I, Love that. Uh, yeah it was a good compromise because i actually really enjoy how it plays uh like Anyway, enough of that. Uh, let's get into the game, eh? Yeah, All right. definitely. All right. Uh, just one more thing before we uh, jump into the game itself. Uh, is the structure of the game, as I have described, it's pretty sort of um, gradual growing, right? But it, it is split in scenes. We usually teleport you between scenes a little bit. Mm -hmm. And the approach to running the game is also similar to Forge in the Dark Games is that it's a writer's room, right? We together uh, kind of write a movie that you are in, your characters are in. So everything is a discussion. We approach everything narrative first. We take these sort of step backs, talk about the table, about things like stakes and such, and dis often describe your characters from the third point of view. One of the things that is special about Candela Obscura is that you usually have an intro that is from third-person view that is not known to your characters, and that's just kind of an, a thing addressing an audience. So this is to set the scene for, uh, for the players and for everyone who is participating in the game, maybe watching or listening. And then we do the actual assignment, uh, which grows from like exploration and investigation to a confrontation or climax at the end. And mm -hmm. after that, we uh, sort of close down with answering the questions, illumination keys, uh, answering a few questions. Have you accomplished what you uh, set out to do? Have you interacted with the bleed? Have you contained bleed, etc. Um, but that's kind of it for the intro. I would love to get uh, your names. Actually, if you do have like a short character intro, that would be absolutely wondrous. Yeah, I definitely yeah. can go on that um, if you want to get started there. Um, Henry Dyer um, is a medium um, mm -hmm. who's gained a, a bit of a reputation, uh, both positive and negative. Uh, but underneath the exterior of essentially starting to gain a reputation as like a con man type of medium or trick people out of their money. Mm -hmm. Um, I stumbled into actual weirdness, you know, encountering mm -hmm. a bleed and, and, and this world becoming real for me rather than just like essentially something to profit off of. Um, and, and like the few people that maybe are 
interested in the supernatural, <clears throat> excuse me, mm-hmm. but Henry's made a life years ago doing that, but somewhat that reputation has beneficial, like been beneficial over the years where he needs to maybe be like, oh, none of it's real. <laughs> but like, you know, that's not really his approach. You know, he's always still trying to utilize that um, social aspect of mm-hmm. uh, of being weird, but publicly. Mm-hmm. Cool. Love it. Uh, I have one question for you, and that's part of character creation in Candela Obscura mm-hmm. as well. So this is like a moment. So uh, what is the catalyst of your character? How did they join Candela Obscura? Why? Did something right. happen to them? What was the uh, inciting incident? Well, Henry's used to having kind of been the bad guy in a lot of people's situations where they, you know, like come to consult Henry for, you know, reading or something like that, like on a regular basis. And, you know, they spend a lot of money on Henry. But, you know, people that don't know how to hold on to their money... That's unfortunate, you know, that's kind of his approach to it. Um, but so there's that that side he's been comfortable with, essentially that level of exploitation. Um, it was when there was actual consequences uh, to some advice that was given uh, that led somebody to their ultimate demise, encountering something from probably like the, the ruins or the old world. Um, and... Uh, just based on like flippant advice that Henry gave uh, while pretending to have connected to some higher entity. Um, And yeah, as a result, they got hurt and killed um, Mm -hmm. probably something along those lines. And uh, it it was guilt initially like on that to go like, okay, maybe it can't be as flippant about this. Um, but then went to investigate what happened. That individual kind of found more and probably stumbled across uh, members of Candela Obscura through that kind of investigation about what happened to that, that individual. Yeah. Uh, my character's name is Thomas Valentino. Uh, mm-hmm. He is a reporter who... Um, his big thing coming up was investigating corruption. Uh, across the government structures and mm-hmm. the uh, enforcement agencies and stumbled upon a uh, conspiracy, a conspiracy of this, this magical um, uh, ness and, you know, keeping it quiet. And as he was writing his story and, and bouncing it back off his editor, his editor kept telling him to leave it alone, just leave it alone. Mm-hmm. don't uh and then he was on his way home one night when all of a sudden black bag over the head and found himself uh in a chamber where uh he was introduced to candela obscura and inducted in uh as 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 a member or unknown consequence <laughs> okay Sounds good. All right, Will. My name is Sheldon Reese Frazier. I am 45, and I joined Candela after years of working in the periphery. I wanted to do something nice and kind. They like to steal from people. There was an old lady named Carrie Malcolm, a baker, 
And, well, they tried to put some dirt on her because the city wanted to take control of her bakery, and I helped her out with some evidence to make sure that that wasn't a legal probability. From that, I was blacklisted from the periphery, and I didn't really know what to do. Her son, Jonathan Malcolm, has been with Candela for about five years. He's kind of stayed a grunt, usually pushes papers, but through that, I found a means to be able to actually help people in this city. Um, now me and my family spend most of our holidays with uh, Mrs. Malcolm and have kind of joined her extended family. I'm just here to help people out with my large girth and big muscles. <laughs> All right, I love it. Um, what? So you're a circle of um, uh, Candela Obscura, right? You have worked together before. Mm -hmm. um, uh, give me a quick sort of rundown of your relationships with each other. Uh, let's start with uh, Henry. Uh, mm -hmm. um, I think that uh, Thomas and I have a bit of history. Um, I would imagine you probably reported on me as like being a fraud years back. Um, not a fan of that. So there's, there's a little bit of like unresolved stuff there where like, I feel like you probably poke and prod the, the actual medium work that I do now. Um, right. Of course. Cause you know it to be real. So, you know, I'm not making it up, but you. Right. Likely have had some friction with me in that way. Um, I, I, I definitely like I, I trust Sheldon with my life like this mm -hmm. guy, like to, to the point of like, maybe it's not as reciprocal as it should be from Henry. Um, like it, it's, but, but Henry knows Sheldon's good for that. Um, but yeah, I think uh, Henry's pretty transactional in his relationships at this point, um, even amongst Candela. Mm -hmm. uh, he's probably not been the most, um, trusting of people until he feels like he's got a, a thorough beat on them. All right. What about Thomas? Uh, so we got a sort of the, we got Henry's uh, view on the situation. What's yours and how do you relate to Sheldon as well? Um, yeah. So I find obviously as uh, Henry stated, uh, I find his, dabbling his dangerous dabbling uh and you know his medium work uh very borderline um and of course you know i keep i keep good tabs on it and and you know like to see it at, also like to watch it but um with uh what, what was your character's name again will uh sheldon sheldon, sheldon. uh with sheldon uh Sheldon, I have an interest in for for other reasons. Uh, this this veteran uh, of of the war uh, now exposed to to this this world and where magic is real. Um, I find his his reactions to things very interesting uh, and his psyche very interesting. Kind of writing a secret uh, uh, a piece on 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 the soldier uh in the fight against uh incursions mm -hmm. interesting mm, all right and what about sheldon uh, what's your general attitude towards your circle numbers 
Uh, I don't really like all of that weird stuff, but I will say that Henry does a good job of getting things done. And of course, with there's always someone in a group who needs to be able to make decisions. I don't like to do that. I like to just be there for support. So having someone who is uh, uh, curious as... Uh, as Thomas helps out, uh, they get the job done. They seem to like my croissants, and we haven't fought too much, so it's nice. They said Microsoft right. for a second. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that too. My croissants. <laughs> Damn you, Microsoft. <laughs> That's actually what his... No, he calls his croissants Microsoft, because they're small oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. and they're yeah. soft. But like small little pillows of love. <laughs> Oh, jeez. <laughs> All right. We jump to the opening scene of our episode. We see a small college town with a campus, a sort of short two-story buildings with made of red brick. Um... We see lots of trees and greenery, um, library, university buildings. All of it is overtaken by a thick fog. Through this fog in the, under the cover of the night, we see a lone light approaching one of the smaller cottages, very humble, just one story. From the fog entering the light, with a small electric torch comes out a man in a janitor's uniform um, sort of pepper, salt and pepper hair maybe like 50-ish um, wearing a name tag on his uh, on his overalls uh, Jack Coolidge, janitor the man enters the house um, you see a faint smile on his face before he enters as he looks, peeps through the windows. And he enters and says, Honey, I'm home. And uh, a few moments later, we see a woman um, greet him with a smile. And uh, you see his nostrils trickle a little bit as he... Oh, is that a... Is that a turkey roast for dinner? She smiles and says, yes. And we uh, move a little bit f further in time as uh, we have them sitting at the table in the living room. As I said, this is a rather small house, so the living room is right next to the kitchen. And it's all kind of just one big homey living space. And there's uh, pictures of children, photographs of children on the walls and various elements of decor that make it rather homey, sort of cottagecore uh, ambience. And the custodian um, is excited about something. He's telling his wife about an exhibit that he was trying to help the pre uh, prepare for. He's talking about Professor Charles Gordon, who is uh, about to hold a speech the day after. Uh, the speech called, uh, he says, is called On Strange Reflections. And 
uh, he was helping him move this uh, very interesting ornate mirror. And uh, he's as he goes into details describing this uh, day at work, we zoom in on the wife's face as she's sort of listening intently with like a faint smile. Uh, we can see as it often is that there is definitely some other thoughts going uh, in her head in the background as she is listening and nodding along. Um, when suddenly her expression changes to that of utter horror and shock. And as the camera moves back out, we see that the entire form of her husband ripples <laughs> and melts into one puddle of reflective liquid. She stands up, we don't hear a noise as we are now looking through the window, but we see her screaming, panicking, sort of grabbing things and sort of grabbing her head. And we fade back into the fog. We see a tram, one of the last trams, pulling up to Bragg Green Station. Uh, it moves through the still thick mists, separating it as a cruiser through ice. You arrive crossing into the camp line of Briar Green, the little college district with uh, what seems to be large problems. Despite the fog, the air is chilly and lives litter and leaves litter the ground as first breath of winter crawls in. You exit at the station Briar Green, the three of you. Um, and as we observe the three investigators standing on the platform, what do we see? Let's start with Sheldon this time. Describe the appearance of your character, please. Uh, so you see a uh, fairly uh, large, uh, a little bit overweight, uh, 45-year-old male with... Uh, with dark brown hair with some graying kind of on the sides of his uh on the sides of his uh, head he has a very very large mustache that connects into his mutton chops uh he is um still wearing something that's kind of similar to uh what the uh, periphery uniform is he's a man of uniform he likes to know what he's wearing every day um on his uh, side is a is a handgun it's the same one he's carried for the last uh 20 years um yeah nice straight starched pants very shiny uh leather black boots with glasses and you can see there's a little bit of a chain for uh uh, going into his uh, jacket pocket that probably holds a stopwatch. Uh, he cares about time quite a bit. It's very, it's very important to be punctual, especially with dealing with what we deal with. Mm -hmm. 
All right. And uh, who's standing next to him? Uh, Thomas steps off and takes a deep breath. <sighs> you see him. He is uh, quite well put together. Um, he's got uh, a, a, a nice, um, uh, almost like a mild tartan um, suit on, you know, lines, crisp, very well iron, very well manicured. He is clean shaven um, and he wears a uh, matching Gatsby hat that matches his entire outfit. Uh, and uh, he reaches into his back pocket and pulls out a, uh, a small pen and or a small pe- uh, pencil and note uh, and just kind of looks around and just kind of scribbles some uh, observations of the area. Mm-hmm. All right. And the last person stepping off the cart is Henry, Henry Dyer. Yeah, Henry's just kind of like leaned over and is asking uh, for um, a light. And uh, as he's kind of trying to get that from um, <clears throat> from Thomas, uh, I don't know if Thomas has light, but he's he's like bugging him. And then he goes kind of over to Sheldon for a light. <laughs> hold on to this one it's out i just uh, he's just kind of like annoyed like that he is being an annoyance um and uh he's just wearing kind of like a longer trench coat um and like as like he it would like kind of flap in the wind you see that he's got like a really nice like lining on it's very like patterned almost kind of looks like uh just a display of like the backs of of tarot cards like throughout his coat um and uh he otherwise has like very clean cut um for for a strange medium but he always fancied himself uh not so much the poor man's medium and uh but he's got his hair slicked back, just pretty greasy. There's like a couple curls that keep falling down because he's got fairly curly hair, but he still puts the grease in to keep it nice and under control uh, as it can get windy around these parts. And uh, yeah, just, you know, like a nice white. Uh, it, it's it's a bit discolored. Like there's signs that he's not that well off, but he's trying to put off a lot of wealth. Um, but mm-hmm. his, you know, his his cavat uh, and stuff is everything under underneath his long coat. And uh just trying to get a light. Mm-hmm. For a little bit of background, the three of you are here to investigate uh, what your lightkeeper, the person who's in charge of your circle, the leader, so to speak, um, is uh, has put on to you the responsibility to investigate a strange occurrence in Briar Bank, in uh, uh, Briar Green. Uh, as Briar Green is a very well-regarded establishment with a lot of wealthy patrons. Uh, Such uh, disturbance would rather not be discovered. Uh, But Candela is more interested in the supernatural part of it, so they usher onto you the urgency of this uh, and uh, tell you that you have to get to the bottom of this before the OUB arrives and sweeps everything under the rack, as you usually do. Um, so you are probably one of the first people to arrive to the area and as such expect little interference. Uh, You are, however, greeted with a person, uh, greeted by a person who's this, uh, gruff, stocky in build, 
uh, with a like a very firm mustache and a furrowed brow. Um, he's wearing campus security uniform, and he approaches you. Ah, um, you must be the Candela. I'm I'm Horace Willis. I'm the uh, security officer in charge of the security on the campus. Uh, we may talk at my office. You've been warned that, uh, or not warned, but uh, you were given a word that the uh, Horace is um, not a full Candela Obscura member, but he is uh, in. Uh, he's in the know. Uh, so he's been given a word that he would be arriving, and he is uh, willing to help you. But you do seem, you do see uh, on him that he's distraught. Uh, I would say, especially Henry, you would def definitely pick it up uh, right away, as you're good at reading people, and uh, this is kind of used to be able to make money off of people who look like this. Um, he, he's just keeping his head straight, going forward. And um, he escorts you to the office. Um, as you make your way there, following Horace's lead, you uh, step into puddles of rainwater from a late night storm that are still uh, still present and a few inches deep in places. Uh, with your keen eye, I would say, Thomas, you uh, sort of see that one of your shoes gets a little deep into the puddle and you shake it in frustration. Uh. You see, as the reflection ripples through the puddle, it reflects everything about the world, but also nothing. It is strangely deep and dark. It's almost disorienting for you. Uh, so, so my man Horace, uh, it's all right if I call you Horace, right? Certainly. Uh, what exactly is the, uh, the, what are the details of this mysterious uh, incident that has happened this time? We had uh, reports of people going missing. Interesting. It stepped in people. How many? <laughs> um, three at the moment. At the moment? It didn't all happen at once, so you're expecting it to continue to happen? I'm afraid so. It's happened over the past three days. Oh. Three people have gone missing. One a day? For, or approximately, yes. Uh, it uh, seems to be escalating as... Uh, there was a longer period of time between the first and the second disappearance. Uh, the first uh, missing person was Jack Coolidge, the custodian at the university. Next, we had a roommate of one of the students report him missing. An archaeology student under... And then finally, his superior 
his professor, Mr. Charles Gordon, has been reported missing. And what ties these missing persons together? I can't, can't imagine that this is a random occurrence. The only thing that ties them together is these strange pools of reflective liquid, almost like, uh, what's that metal called? Mercury. Mercury. Yeah. Huh. See. So then it sounds like they're not actually missing, but they've just melted into a mirror? Well, that would be nonsense, wouldn't it? Um, I... I don't much like that stuff, but after spending a few days with Henry over here, I, I come to not question too many things until I have hard evidence. So That's um, surely not what happened. I've never heard of people melting into mirrors before, and I don't think that would be the case. That's what they said before they invented electricity. Hmm. The world is constantly changing. Sometimes that's not the new stuff you have to worry about. That's the old stuff. Huh. Well, I know nothing of this, but uh, you have full access to my incident reports if you, if you wish. Unfortunately, I, my, uh, I've sent a couple of people to, from the security office to examine the scenes of the crime, but they are yet to return, and I'm starting to get worried if something had happened to them. Uh, do we have access to the uh, professor's office by chance? Uh, you are campus police, so are we able to inspect his certainly, office? Certainly, certainly. I would suggest starting with uh, one of the three victims. Um, Indeed. You All can right. you can examine the professor Gordon's office or his uh, his house on the campus, or uh, perhaps the um, perhaps the wife of the custodian Mary she moved out of her house citing uh, her fears for her security as a lone woman and as such she is staying at an uh, at an inn here at a, a small hotel for um, families that visit their uh, their children on campus here and uh, other tourists and and such of course um and and where did you send your where did you send your men to? I had sent uh, one of them to the um, had sent one of them to the office of professor and another one to the dorm room whereas I was attempting to interrogate Miss Mary myself but um, she seemed to have strange lapses in, in her memory and wasn't really able to answer my questions properly. Interesting. Well, I'm good to start with either the dormitory or, of course, the office of the professor. I would assume that if something uh, odd is going on, it would likely have to do with the work. So which one of your men is the least competent and that you think is probably the most likely to also turn into a... We want to make sure people are safe, so. Mm. They're both uh, fairly competent and have worked uh, by my side for a long time, but. So, take Let's your start pick. with Mary. I think I'm, 
I'd rather start with the living than the missing. That is fair. In any case, I shall keep my post here and uh, hope for a return of my men. And as, as such, if you do need me, um, you may find me here. We'll be in contact. Oh, do you got a light before I leave? <laughs> I just I'm, I'm gave you my light. I need a new flint. I need a new flint. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, I put it's brand new. Did you even try it? Oh, this. Yeah. Okay. No, I Thank forgot you. you gave it to me. In that it's a common problem for me. You have six of mine at this point. <laughs> it's, it, it's, as we begin to walk off, I, I just trail off saying, "No, it's just like the sparks don't. They don't. It's like they don't work. Like I'm ruining these lighters." It's just something okay. that's happening. Flint tends to not work around me. <laughs> well, so sh- shall we be off, boys? Yeah, I think off. he's at the, the inn, at the dorm, is that where? Probably good to, as uh, he said, uh, speak to the Mary. living, the non-missing, mm-hmm. the known variable. Um, you easily find your way to the bed and breakfast at which Mary is currently staying. Uh, and as you enter this two-story uh, cottage with a uh, restaurant, seats and tables, just a couple of them set outside that are currently sort of put together and uh, there's a cover over them, uh, but you do realize they have some sort of outside outside dining area as well. As you enter, the bell goes, and you enter the um, dimly lit, warm uh, lobby, where behind the counter there's an older uh, older lady who's uh, stands up, uh, her eye her eyes lit up. And as she straightens up, you realize that she barely got any taller as she's kind of uh, poking over the counter with only like uh, her chest and her head and shoulders. As, oh, uh, well, hello, that's late visitors. Uh, how may I assist you? Ah, yes, my dear woman. We are looking for a patron uh, by the name of Mary. Mary Coolidge. Mary Coolidge. And a cup of coffee, <laughs> please. That can be certainly Irish. Sebastian, Sebastian, there's visitors. They demand coffee, and an older, an older man in uh, in a leather apron stumbles out of the uh, room in the from the back room. Uh, sort of, oh, no need to yell, and uh, the door goes. Doo, 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 doo. Oh, um, how many cups coffee, cream for any of you? Uh, one black. No need to dilute it. Uh, like. Some could you just, is it is it like a thick like a goat's milk? Or are we are we talking like it's probably just cream, Henry? Cream? It's usually always cream. Okay, uh, black is fine. Uh, none for me, thank you. It makes me uh jittery. <laughs> I prefer uh, black. Uh, understood. Um, mumbles to himself, but turns around and goes back through the kitchen door, swings once again a couple of times with a. Uh, slight creak and 
the woman by the counter and says, I'm Ruth and that's Sebastian, my unfortunate husband. Um, uh, so you want to speak to Mary, but uh, may I ask you why? Um, she's a woman in grief and she's... Uh, I would like to her uh, I would like for her to not be disturbed unnecessarily because I feel for her her husband's disappeared you see and uh, poor woman's that's, been a wreck since then that's uh, I, actually why like, we're here do I feel like oh. this individual's like I, I just reputationally more like setting knowledge how would just introducing ourselves as part of Candela be received is that is it a full secret organization or it is, is a it secret like, organization yeah okay mm -hmm. so that's not just a thing you mm -hmm. flash yeah yeah no it is not okay a normal um, person would probably just go what and then there's the a chance letter. that you'll might run into someone who is right. uh who wishes ill upon uh, right. um yeah i'd like to just kind of begin to explain um that we're essentially uh, we work we're co-workers from the university um you know we, we all work as uh, assistants in some of the different departments and we're just checking on um some weird information we heard about uh, her husband and want to make sure all the documents are just signed for compensation from the college for any any of the um basically uh, I guess he's not officially dead or anything yet, so it's not like there's mm -hmm. like life insurance policy to pay out. But like, <laughs> I, it's it's essentially documentation that we need her to sign for the college mm -hmm. or something like that, and making sure that she's doing all right if she I knows gotcha. anything about his disappearance. Mm -hmm. uh, I gotcha. Uh, so that will be a sway role for me. Um, okay. uh, this is a low stakes role. Like you're not in any danger or under time pressure at all. Spoilers. <laughs> she seemed very threatening <laughs> okay yeah. uh, so Coffee. I'm just going to roll in uh, foundry sure you currently have zero um, yeah so I so roll do you want to... Go ahead. Yeah, you, you want to just roll 2d6 and take the lower result yep um, okay number oh that's 6 I don't want that <laughs> 2d6 where do I thin the six? Uh, so slash R uh, space to D6 would work, or you can just click on the D6 symbol twice and uh, roll. I'm doing something wrong. That's sample roll. Where's the dice that I'm clicking on? Bottom should be on your bottom right. If I you don't expand, have one. if you oh yeah, so go ahead and expand the uh, toolbar on the top right. Okay. There we go. Got it? Yep. Sorry. No worries. Hey. Okay, so, so we got a four, right? Uh, yes, that I would take be a the four. lower. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you rolled a four and a six, and uh, she nods along, uh, suspiciously eyeing you, uh, sort of up and down. Okay, you say that. Well, let me jot down your name real quickly so that I can check later. Do you give her a real name? Uh, no, I, I would give her a uh, name of uh, Jeff uh, 
Bridges. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, so you give her a fake name as she suspiciously eyes you up and down. Okay, but let me go talk to her first. Okay. Uh, you see uh, as she waits for her husband, Sebastian, to come back from the kitchen with a cups of two cups of coffee for each one of you. Says, Sebastian, keep an eye on these. And I'm going to go upstairs and talk to one of our guests. And she sort of moves up the stairs and she's sort of shuffling in her little tufels uh, with fluff around the rings. Uh, you hear her knocking on the, one of the doors and the door uh, and then sort of whispering that you can't quite make out unless you want to try. I definitely would like to try. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. What would what role would that be? <laughs> I recognize um, a fish hook when I see one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a nosy reporter. It's it's my thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so there, are, in this particular case, there could be a couple of options for you to uh, roll here. Um, you can choose the one you're maybe better at. So it could be a hide for uh, doing it dis dis discreetly. Or it might be a survey for uh, trying to sort of listen in on the conversation. Uh, probably to use survey, just kind of, you know, not make myself too obvious, but just mm -hmm. you know, trying to really mm -hmm. focus on those ears, you know? We're at a B&B, <laughs> you can walk around. Yeah. So let's see. And I have a uh, guild in that, a guild of die in that. Correct. So one uh, of, uh, so if you spend a, spend a, a drive and yep. you take the gilded result, you might get it back. Oh, here, actually, let me go to my copy. I just realized I can't change drives on... on uh, uh, or do you I'm see the rolls on Demiplane? I do see the rolls, yeah. Oh, cool, cool. All right, it just won't let me change the drives, but I would like right. to use a drive. Oh, okay. it's right there. I found it. Never mind. Mm -hmm. Oh, Great so I should go back to the one that you sent me, not the copy, and I can just roll there. Uh, I'm going to take that gilded die. Um, and uh, restore that that drive. So uh, four. All right. So you take a four, which is a partial success. So you get your drive back. And... Um... Okay, so you hear bits of bits and pieces of the conversation as they are whispering, and it's really hard. It's like, uh, Mary, here's a man from the university who wish to speak to you. And she says, I don't, I don't want to have anything to do with that cursed place. Um, and it's kind of just back and forth, and she's trying, uh, with, the, with Ruth trying to convince her to let, to let you in. And um, at the end, you just hear, fine, send them up. Keep it brief. So you don't get too much insight, but you do realize she's willing to speak to you, but she is, this is, she is speaking of university in a rather negative light. Um, yeah. Fantastic. Love that. Ammunition. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, 
Hey, uh, what'd you hear? Oh, what um, you saying? we should probably tell, uh, whispering in, in, in his ear, should probably tell her specifically that we are not from the university and that we are, in fact, investigating against the university. What if, what if we're unionizing people that, you know, have been hurt by the university? Oh, bringing them together, possibly yeah. for maybe a civil suit. There yes, I, I do like that. Let's do that. Uh, right, as you're as you're whispering, that's a good idea. <laughs> as, as you're whispering to, to each other, you see that uh, the older gentleman listens intensely. What? You want a grilled cheese? I can make oh, you one. I would love a grilled cheese, sir. Uh, okay, uh, Ruth. <laughs> they want a grilled cheese. Put it on their tab. I'm gonna make one. Yes, he heads yes. into the kitchen. <laughs> I don't trust that man. He seems kind of sweet. Sheldon kind of eyes him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Those are eyes. Don't grilled cheeses. I swear, if this grilled cheese has anything but cheese on it, I am going to scream. That is a melt and not a grilled cheese. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's the rule. (laughs) Um, In any case, Ruth comes down the stairs uh, once more and says, um, with her lips rather tightly uh, pressed together and just kind of blurts out, fine, she'll see. Uh, And as you walking up the stairs, the last person to walk up the stairs feels like her drilling the back of her head with her eyes intently, with the intuition <laughs> of uh, an old woman uh, sort of ringing bells and alarms. Uh, but she is not saying anything. Quite strange weather we're having, huh? You're talking to her? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Strange weather indeed. Storms. My joints hurt when it storms. Oh, I understand. I understand. I uh, I learned this old old tip. Uh, if you rub a turnip on your joints, apparently it helps. Mm-hmm. Uh. Sebastian, do we have turnips? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, is the last thing you hear as you come up the stairs and knock on Mary's door. And uh, it opens just ajar. And you see there's a chain on the inside, uh, like the chain lock, you know. Um, and a careful, uh, carefully, a half a woman's face sort of looks at you intently, even through the crack in the door sort of only seeing half her face you see she has rather sunken eyes like with circles around them um her hair is a mess and uh, she's uh, she looks a little distraught and uh, almost uh, seems like she's looking trying to look behind you uh, to see if there's anybody else this is just us ma'am Okay. Um, you... Let me double check. You're the man that Mary was talking about? Uh, yes. Something about insurance or something? Uh, there's some papers that we'd love to get you to sign, but more it's about why. 
Uh, universities hurt a lot of people, and we're worried about your your husband going missing. Uh, maybe affiliated. So if we, we're just trying to get people together to make sure something can be done about this. Okay, give me the papers. Jeez. Oh, we, we just wanted to talk to you about it before we we. I'd like to use one of my gears to have papers. Uh, yeah, <laughs> forged you don't, papers. You don't. Okay, you want uh, forged papers? Sure. For um, a gear. Uh, no, I couldn't have been prepped for that. No, I, I we made it up a second ago. Um, no, I, I'd like to make some kind of excuse, basically just saying like uh, we wanted to make sure we were able to reach out and make a personal connection first. Um, then we can have everything drawn up with your names uh, on them as well. Mm -hmm. Consider that uh, one of you is a is an actual journalist, so you can flash the credentials there and say that you're working on a case, for example. <laughs> Um, all right. Uh, in any case, uh, that would be uh, another sway roll for me, please. As you're trying right. to uh, convince her to let you in and not just yeah. talk to you through the crack in the door. Okay, so if I do it in demiplane, I just click on the dots. Uh, yes, you click on the dots and then it should show up there. Did that work? Uh, I don't see the result. Uh, um, I just want to make sure the character is like connected to you. Yeah. I'm on the link you sent me. Mm -hmm. Did it not? How do I send it? I guess. Uh, I should just be able to see your roles in the window, in the role window. But uh, you know what? Let's just uh, keep it simple and uh, let's just do the foundry role. That's easy. fine. I just want to make sure I was doing it the easiest way. Yeah. Uh, the easiest for me is foundry tenure. Okay. Yeah. So you have zero in sway. So that means, uh, do you, uh, would you anyone, oh, I was going to ask if anyone would like to Sorry. assist. Mm -hmm. um, I'll assist. I'll, I'll, I'll offer. Wait, uh, which, which one was it again? You got a sway. six. Uh, sway. You got a five and a sway. six. So yeah, I'll, I'll I'll give him a drive in my uh, mm -hmm. in my sway. Okay. Uh, I cannot mark that off though. Uh, that's okay. I'll do it for you. Oh, um, perfect. I appreciate it. No worries. I got control. Uh, so you can go ahead and roll another one. Uh, or mm -hmm. now we'll, you know what we'll, we'll just do. We'll just take the six because it was the first die. Uh, oh, okay. So we'll take a total, uh, total success. And she sort of hesitates for a moment, you see, and she shuts the door. And a few seconds pass, and you are not sure if it's... if she's going to open it again or not. And then you hear the locks unlocking, and she opens the door and sort of hesitantly stands in the uh, door frame, letting you pass. Okay, come in, but keep it brief. All right, investigator. Thank you, thank you. Of course. Um, <clears throat> if you would like, you you may have a seat. Of course, uh, your comfort is our utmost uh, priority in this this time uh, of your life right now. Um, um she, yeah. she, you see that she had a chair pulled down, pulled up to a fireplace, which is which has fire roaring roaring in it. Um. Uh, but as she, as you enter the room, she does not feel comfortable uh, to sit down. Um, instead, she comes over to mm, 
she comes over to her table and it looks like she quickly shuffles a couple of papers mm-hmm. um, before turning to you again. Ah. So. Uh, well. I know that the university themselves asked you some questions. Um, and of course, the university security and, and all of that. Uh, however, I just want to uh, open this up and let you know that um, this can, you, you can be a little more open and honest with us. Um, we are going to, uh, we're not here to, to um, cast judgment. Pass judgment on you. In fact, we just would like to know exactly what you've seen and um, tell your side of the story. And of course, make sure that you're well represented. Well, can't tell you much, but this place is cursed. People go missing. They say it's. Uh, they say it's just people going away, but I know it's not that. Uh, I, I know people are going missing something strange. Uh, mm-hmm. I know my husband, he would not just disappear me. We've been married for 30 years, uh, and I, I'm I'm worried sick. <sighs> yes. What's the last you saw him? Well, I sent him off to work in the morning. To the university's library. He never came home, as far as I remember. Now, was your husband and, you know, uh, Thomas is is writing all of this down in uh, a little notebook, you know, and he goes, now, uh, was your husband working on anything uh, that he was particularly, particularly interested in recently? Uh, He kept talking about that mirror exhibition with the professor. What's his name again? Sorry, I've been having... I think it's the stress I've been struggling with my memory. Was it Gordon? Yes, that's right. Professor Gordon, yes. An an archaeologist. Uh A mirror exhibition? That's kind of a strange uh, bit of artifacts to be... uh, so interested in, I mean... Yes, it's a sort of antiquity. He's an archaeology, archaeology professor, and he was interested in various antiquities. And I think, I think they were they found something and were going to exhibit it. And I'm sorry, memory is not as good as it used to be. No, it's quite all is right. She does she seem genuine? with the memory gaps or is she lying to cover up having seen something more dramatic okay uh, why don't you make a read roll for me please great i have that mm-hmm. um you have two now one i mm-hmm. i specifically have lie detector okay as an ability okay um so so you would like to use the yours as well i i, I believe so yeah okay um so do you want to each make separate attempts or do you want to um one helping another maybe or um what do you think there um i think we can go separate go separate yeah let's go separate 
Okay. Yeah. The stakes here are medium. Um... Okay. So that means we need a five or a six? Uh, that generally or means if that... you fail, it will be worse. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, I'm going to I'm going to aid Henry. Uh, this isn't my first interrogation. I've been through many of these. So. Um. I d okay. Um. I don't think you have a cunning drive, however. Um, oh no, I don't. So I cannot help. Uh, you can. Um. You can spend another drive, but I'll ask you to describe which action you're using to help. Like, how are you using either your nerve or your intuition to help this uh, attempt? Uh, uh, using my intuition um, and just, I'm very focused on um, on on Mary. Um, I've I've seen victims of Mm -hmm. you know, theft, uh, That's right. mm -hmm. you know, family who, you know, loved ones have been murdered. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I also understand that sometimes trauma causes, uh, some other, some other things to happen. So I've, I've, I've seen it before. Um, yeah. um, are you helping Henry or Thomas? You said, sorry. Uh, Henry. Henry. Okay. And then for Thomas, uh, so it says that uh, each for the first cunning I spend, I get plus two uh, d6 instead of one d6. Correct. So, uh, <laughs> but I'm going to spend two cunning so that way I have a total pool of four. Uh, two, two, two. So let's see, you start with one, you get uh, you spend two cunning drives, yep. uh, which gives you a total of three plus yep. one, four, and then you get an assist, you have a total of five. Okay, uh, so... Um, I Wait, I think I have the assist. I don't oh yeah, he has the assist, not me. Okay, yeah, yeah my bad. So yeah, four. 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 Yeah, correct. So, and then I'll be at three, but I'd like to use one of my own drives to get myself up to four as well. Alright, sounds good. Yep. So, uh, so I should be at three drives after this? So, let's see. Uh, I got a three, a five, a five, and a five. Uh, so what's the highest? Uh, uh, five five right? is the highest. Okay. I got a six. You got a highest. six. Yep. Mm -hmm. Which means I get okay. that drive back, correct? Uh, uh, so mine's gilded. Is my first? How do I check if the one that I rolled was gilded? Let's see. Where did you? Where That's did the you first roll? one? I rolled oh, yeah, in Foundry. Different. My first one yeah. was mm -hmm. six, yeah. Six, so that would be your Gilded, yeah. So you can get And so I get back. my drive back? Yes, but not the person who helped, uh, unless Got you have it. a special ability that lets you do that. Okay, cool. Um, Fair less. Okay. So, uh, so in, uh, on your sheet, you can see um, that in this together is your circle ability, which means when you help and uh, the I result roll is a failure, you would earn a drive back. But okay. otherwise, you only get uh, drive back. The person who rolls gets the drive back if they uh, take the gilded gilded die. So basically, if Will helps me, I completely botch the roll, and my highest is a three. Mm -hmm. He gets his drive back, and it doesn't cost him to have failed. <laughs> Correct, yes, essentially. Got it. Uh, both of you can get a drive back. Um, if you have like spent a drive and botched the roll, you can right. get a drive of your choice back. Mm -hmm. um, okay. All right, so we have a five and a six. Um, with a five, um, you 
um, you can't quite make out if she is lying or nervous. It's, it, it seems she's leaning, like, your intuition tells you genuine, but there is something shifty about her. You see, uh, like, her body language is off. She seems to be, as you realize now, she seems to be sort of shifting away from you and back to the fireplace. Uh, so uh, if you imagine the room as a, like, a, just a rectangle in the left upper corner by the window, there's a, a bunch of papers that she went first and shuffled sort of to the side, uh, getting ready to sign whatever papers would give her. And then from there, she's moving to the fireplace, which is in the middle of the uh, wall on the right. So the opposite from the table. And she's kind of shifting towards there as if she uh, is cold. Um, on the six, Henry, you are certain. She is telling the truth about the memory lapses and is causing her great stress. Um... Her, you also realize that her mind is, fi and you've seen this before with victims um, who maybe have come to you as clients, uh, how easy it is for another explanation to fill the gaps. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, for example, you this was your bread and butter back in the day of being a right. con man. Yep. You give them an explanation, it jumps into that gap immediately. And this is kind of what seems to be the case with her. Mm-hmm. Um, as yeah, she okay. sort of shifts towards the fireplace, and you see she's facing away from the window, and she's just kind of uh, keeping fa face towards the rest of you, and uh, shifting towards the fireplace. She says, "Well, yes. The last thing I remember, it was it was my husband going to work, and then I think I saw him. I think I think I saw him walking." walking to uh, the house, but I can't remember if I actually saw him or not. I think this is where my fam memory fails me. Uh, the I have a question. The yeah. Do you remember cleaning up a meal? Was the meal for one? Meal for two? What did you plan uh, to have that night that he went missing? It was... I, I, I remember I bought some turkey. I was planning to roast it. Um, Before you left, was there any left? Surely you're not handling a turkey all yourself. You probably eat small plates. Yes, probably. That would make sense. I probably, I probably made a dinner for two, yes. Right. But now, do you remember cleaning up any bites from a second plate? Any leftovers that got thrown in the fridge? I remember I broke a plate. I don't remember cleaning it up. I'm afraid to go back, so I don't know. I haven't been back to my house since that happened. Um, I think there was two plates. I think I broke one. Well, before we go, mm -hmm. I 
and I would like to uh, get down and kind of like this um, this supportive stance, you know, by her chair. Um, my hands on the arm of the chair, looking up at her, not down mm-hmm. at her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would like to say, while stress can most definitely cause these lapses in memory, I want you to think, and I want you to clear your mind, breathe in, breathe out, and I want you to grab the fuzziest of these thoughts, the fuzziest of these memories, the one that's just right on the periphery of your mind. Mm-hmm. What does it feel like? What do you smell? What do you taste? Choosing a therapy technique. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, as you sit down and tell her this and she's trying to go through it she closes her eyes um sheldon you hear uh like a shuffle behind the door i turn to the door mm-hmm. uh, well the door is closed behind you um yeah. but you, you hear a noise still a door um, <laughs> yeah I'm, I, so i'm i'm going to back up and like stand in front of the door with my heels directly pressed against the base of the door <laughs> and the floor Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or maybe nice. one, and I'm like leaned back in. No one's getting in this room unless I'm moving. Okay. If they want to nice. shove a 295 male out of the way, good luck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and as this sort of um, impact from your back against the door uh, makes it creak a little bit, uh, mm-hmm. you hear a oh, tuk tuk tuk. The polite knock on the door, and you hear an earth's uh, voice. I just brought you, brought you some water. Uh, as you realize, she was probably eavesdropping. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, thank you. And I'm gonna go and uh, grab the water from her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you open the door. Does she have water? <laughs> uh, does, does she, she have, have water? water? Yeah, she has a. Oh, okay, craft, okay. She has like a yeah, a craftful of water and. Uh, a few glasses uh, that she has on a tray and she gives it to you oh well didn't mean to disturb you just uh, making sure that you're all settled in when's the last time you brought food to this room or to miss mary here just for just for dinner today if you could bring up some crackers maybe some cheese um it doesn't look Mm -hmm. like she's the plate's a bit half finished yeah that is actually true um she gives you the tray and as she sort of listens to you she tries to look over your shoulder but you're so massive that she can't um <laughs> so she just gives you the tray and sort of a little bit disappointingly walks down uh, back into the kitchen and you hear her yell and sebastian as you uh turn with the tray of water thank you ruth uh, you see that mary stumbles backwards the moment she sees the uh, transparent carafe of water uh, I hide it from her view. Mm-hmm. And your therapy moment kind of breaks, and she's water. I I think I brought broke bro, broke some water glasses. I remember water. He was there, and then there was just water. It's just water. 
Mm -hmm. And you see she visibly gets more uncomfortable and like her voice suddenly got rather stern after she says that. Um, and um, she gets almost irritable at this moment. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, if you could just breathe for me, we're going to pull you back. Just focus on the flames of the fire and the warmth of it. You need to leave. Of course. Now. Of, of course. Um, um, please. And she gets up from the chair uh, before you, like, you're able to finish your session uh, yeah. with her. And uh, she gets up and sort of points you to the doors. Please leave now. I, I, don't, I don't feel like talking anymore. Of course. Of course. Thank you for oh. your time. We will send the papers. Uh, mm -hmm. Good luck and do be well. The two of you... Um, so Henry, Sheldon, you head towards the door. You linger behind to comfort her for a little bit. Uh, Thomas. Her form, as you look at her, ripples like water over stones, shifting, shivering, until one final crest when her body collapses into liquid onto the floor and begins seeping down through the cracks in the floor. Well, shit. No um, bone, no structure, just a puddle of reflecting liquid. Uh, I need you to take one uh, one brain mark from the trauma of this. Uh... Yeah. Uh, if you could please add that to my sheet. Done. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, I do believe we should go, and maybe we should let those downstairs know that uh, Jeff Bridges says that we, sh <laughs> we shouldn't... Uh, disturb her and hey, she should man. get a good night's rest um um ruth is bringing up a cheese platter <laughs> for who we have Let's... to deal with this <laughs> this is true all right so here's what we'll do the cheese platter will come we will take it for her we'll eat some cheese to make it look as though it has well it will it will be eaten um and then uh, we will say that uh, Mary is demanded rest and that nobody see her at all. And um, ah, and I would like to go over to... Uh, I brought some crackers. Oh, thank you so much, Ruth. And I'm going to go and... Uh, yeah, I'm going to be the big man in the door. Uh, <laughs> hiding everything. <laughs> thank you so much. The hospitality here with you and Sebastian is just... Fantastic. Great coffee, too. Yeah. All right. So um, I would like to uh, look at the desk of papers for one. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, I would like to find something that is uh, written in her hand. Um, and yeah. I, I would like to kind of look over it uh, and, and then do my best to forge uh, a note. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the note would say... Um, while I thank you very much for the hospitality of letting me stay here, I find that just remaining in this town itself is a bit too much. I think it is time for me to travel and to see the world and to clear my mind. Yours truly, Mary. And uh, I would like to leave that on the desk um, and I would like to crack the window open. Uh, okay. And so, or just leave the window wide open. Jeff Bridges uh, is about to be in a lot of trouble. Exactly. Jeff Bridges <laughs> is going to be in very much trouble. 
She's uh, run away on a man. tryst with Jeff Bridges. Yes. Is, there, is there something I would need to roll yes. in order to make this convincing? Uh-huh. So uh, for, the first thing you said was you want to go through her papers and find stuff. Um, yes. And the, so that would be a focus to inspect the... Uh, inspect the papers and find what you need. Uh, and the forgery would be uh, normally I would ask you to do a control role there, but uh, because the because of the narrative here, the control role is rather inconsequential. Uh, we would just do we'll just call it one focus role. Okay. Yep. So we'll do a focus role then. Uh, I'll add a drive on there. Mm-hmm. And it looks like my highest is a five. That is the drive. Okay, so you get your drive back. Nice. Uh, and yeah, so I just, you know, it's a, it's a little rushed. You mm-hmm. know, it's probably not my perfect work, but, you know, I mean, with the time that we have, of course, uh, mm-hmm. I do my best. Um, and I leave the note and I look down at this mirrored substance Mm-hmm. Um, I do not want to touch the substance itself. Okay. Um, but I would like to uh, kind of examine as much as I can uh, from a distance. Um, sure. Because this seems contagious. <laughs> so uh, let me uh, first resolve your. Uh... Yes. Focus role. As you look through her papers, you do see a bunch of um, clippings and notes uh, in her hand uh, handwriting. And there's like a, a, a campus newspaper from yesterday about a person going missing. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. clipped out. And then a bunch of handwritten notes uh, with like, did I see him by the church? Question mark. Did he come home? Question mark. He went to the library. Exclamation point. Did he come back? Question mark. And there's a bunch of these sort of uh, thoughts scattered as she seemed to have tried to remember things before they slip out completely. Um, With a five, as you go to... uh, So as you have written the note, you go to crack the window. um, It ripples the window glass for you just for a second you sort of shake your head blink once it's gone you crack the window open and as you look at the liquid that's sort of seeping through the cracks of the wooden floor you see the same effect ripples go through momentarily you feel like there is nothing else in the room except you Mm -hmm. that liquid and you're just standing in complete darkness looking at it. And it's not reflecting anything else. There's no light. But instead, it's giving you a window into something else. And you see Mary's body wrapped in what seems to be a sort of a cocoon. Oh. And you withdraw back and you take bleed and brain from this interaction uh, uh, i think we should go my friends um but mary is not to be disturbed yes you do realize this liquid is 
contaminated with bleed. It's uh, seeping with magic and something. Uh, there's something that has taken hold of Mary. Um. So in gear. Yeah. I have. I, are these listed things? Things I actually have. Like yeah, you can already. Okay. Yeah, so you can you can choose one uh, up to three from the list. Got it. So if I, like a bleed contaminant vial could potentially hold some of this puddle. Correct. Okay. Yeah, I'd like to do that for like some further study. Just kind of go over. All right. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll ask you to do a control check with this okay uh, i marked off a bleed uh, containment vial from your equipment and this will be a control to see if you manage to do it without contaminating yourself without getting it on a your clothing or nice six yeah. <laughs> good that's a six uh so you managed to do it without uh, getting contaminated yourself uh, you have a vial of liquid that's now on you that you can bring back to Condola Obscura uh, for further investigation of this phenomenon. And then you head out sort of uh, past uh, Mary, uh, or past uh, Ruth, sorry, on, on the way out, and she says, and Sebastian goes, oh, what about those grilled cheese sandwiches, though? Oh, uh, yes, uh, I would love a uh, to-go baggie for that. That would be uh, wonderful if you could just... Um, I just hold my hand out. Mm -hmm. Busy, busy people. <laughs> yeah. All right. Good luck. And he just slaps, uh, slaps like a, wrapped into a napkin, just very rapidly, like a paper towel. Uh, puts it on your hand. Yeah. You rush out. All right. Thank you. I lean over to uh, Sheldon. I go, Sheldon, can you like jam that door shut? Like, can you kind of break it a little bit so that they can't get in with a key? Um, do you want to do that? No. I, I remember this one. Uh, I don't really I have anything on my... We're not able to clean it up fully and it's for their own good. Explosive. Uh, 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 okay, so... <clears throat> we're in the lobby right now, right? Yeah, we can we can flash back a little bit and say that oh, okay. before leaving. Okay, um... I'm going to look out the door or uh, out the window. What do I see? Uh, the campus, uh, just the trees and sort of uh, paths. Uh, this particular, you can't see much out. This is kind of like a well type of, or half well, or horseshoe, I guess it would be more correct, shaped of a uh, house. So there's like uh, the one you are currently in, and there are a couple like that go along like this, and there's a just a just an opening to the darkness. The streets are still filled with mists, and so you don't see very much beyond uh, 30, 40 feet, maybe. But the window's not, like, facing towards the front of the building. It's facing towards the back of the alley. Correct, yeah. All right, um, so... You guys need to come up with something smart and clever for where I'm at, but I can definitely jam that door. And then I'm going to go over to... Um, uh, I'm gonna go over to the bed uh, and take out uh, my my pocket knife, and I'm mm -hmm. going to cut some uh, like wedges out of the wood to then like 
jam the door in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> by where the door handle like is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, fairly low stakes situation. Don't need to roll. I'd say you'd be able to uh, do that, but I will ask you to roll for getting down unless you. Uh, so this is second floor, right? You'll have to jump down a few feet. Uh, there's a chance you might roll your uh, ankle or land, uh, unfortunately, and limp for the rest of the investigation. <laughs> so this will be a uh, move roll, please. All right. So you have uh, uh, two, cool. and one of them is gilded. So that means I would roll two of them, correct? Two, two, two. unless you want to spend a drive on this. I'm definitely going to spend a drive. Okay, so spend one drive, and... No, three. That's three total. All right, so you get a failure on your gilded die, if you want to get the drive back, uh, but your best result is five. Uh, with a uh, yeah, I'll 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 take the five. Okay, so you take one body mark from this as you roll your ankle, uh, oh, landing yeah. a little bit unfortunately, and sort of there is like painful. You're a big guy. You're no. jumping. <clears throat> there is quite a. So how, how much did you say he weighs? Like two hundred. Two ninety. Two ninety five. He's yes, a so he's a big slab of meat. Yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> So 295 is a big strain jumping from the second floor. And even though you managed to soften the landing somewhat um, due to your physical prowess, uh, you do sort of feel the painful reverberation um, through like from your heels and up to your up, up your legs and into the spine. Um, but you uh, don't get any major damage, just a little hurt ankle. 295 is 133 kilos for... <laughs> Thank you. That's a lot not of Americans. Yeah. <laughs> that was a lot easier fifteen years American ago. Size. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you reconvene and uh meet up with your uh circle members at the front and they hand you a grilled cheese sandwich. Uh <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Do you like the grilled cheese in this trying time? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So we should leave. <laughs> Come now, Jeff Bridges. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And Amen. so you have uh, you have collected the clues from this investigation. You have uh, you can do one more location. So um, before the climax. So which one do you want to? I'd say uh, the library, right? Okay, the you library. want to go directly to the library. Well, library is where the climax happens, just above the table oh. talk. I think I think we should go to, yeah. The uh, is that the professor? Professor Gordon. Yeah, Yeah. I want to check out his office. Okay. Okay. Yeah, let's do it. Um. Oh, I would also tell them of my experience. Um. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so fellows, um, I think this is contagious. If you see somebody start to ripple, maybe look away and don't look at the. Um, the puddle of them, but uh, it does seem that our victims are in fact alive. They are just not here with us. I saw a cocoon. Uh, Mary's body was was fully cocooned in this this state, this 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 place. Um, however, I also then saw the window do a shimmery thing, and then if you see me start to shimmer, look away. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. Also, come It'll get do. me, please. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so, a quick trip across the campus, you find one of those information boards, find you are here, uh, dot, and then find the location of where the, <laughs> uh, where the house would be uh, given to you by the security officer, uh, Horace. Um, you approach uh, his house a few uh, moments later, maybe like a 15-minute walk. You do experience the same weird disorienting sensation as you move through the campus and there the pools of water uh sort of now for you it connects a little bit with that moment where you went into the darkness um right for rest of you is just a weird sort of a bit of a head spin a little bit of dizziness um I'll ask you all to just mark uh, one brain on all of your sheets. I'll do it for you, actually. So that I... takes me to a scar. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, um, so, yeah. All right. Um, so just before, just before you reach the house, you um, have to go around one of the larger puddles as you exit the mist. Um, into and this this fr uh, sort of trickling faint lamplight for electricity and the humming sort of begins to pulsate and ring in your head uh you have this sensation of when you're falling asleep and you're falling in your sleep like you're tumbling backwards and uh, that's the sensation you currently have and the two of you see um the two of you see thomas just stop for a moment and you see he's about to faint. You've seen, uh, so Henry, you immediately recognize this, or Sheldon, sorry, you immediately recognize this as a person who's about to lose consciousness. Um, as I said, there is no time pressure of this, so like there's no need to spend any actions or anything, but I will ask you to... I look away. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just uh, let he's me gonna fall. faint. He's not rippling. I don't know that. I don't know. It's weird. It's a, it's a rough situation. I don't want to turn into a puddle of water. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm going to look away. Mm. Yeah. Um, uh, I'll, yeah. I'll just we'll kind of go it. up and steady him and be like, uh, yeah. we all there? Oh, the mirrors. Reflections. They're... Are they connected? Oh, thank God he's still there. What if it's jumping through reflections? What if... Okay. No matter, and let's head in. Now we need to sort of do a quick uh, moment, take a quick moment here to uh, name your scar. I called it just fear of reflections. Uh, like, it's not a deep-seated phobia or anything like that, but you do feel uncomfortable around reflections. I don't want to look kind of like Mary at did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... And so. what sort of uh, change to your character should you want to m make? You need to take away one point from one action and put it into another one. One point from one action and into another one. So we're going to uh, remove from my focus. Okay. And we're going sense. to put it in my sense uh, because I am going to be uh, trying to not view reflections except for in the peripheral of my view. I'm going to try and keep them away from me. 
I really like that system. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, that's that's great. So you approach the uh, you come to and the three of you approach the two floor colonial style house um, and stand by the door. The um, the windows are dark. Uh, even though the curtains don't seem to be drawn, you don't see any light coming from within, and uh, the sort of heavy black door with the bell standing there, closed, not locked. And you may enter with a silent sort of faint creak into mm -hmm. stepping into the dark house. And uh, we'll take a couple of minute break here. Hey everyone, I hope you're enjoying the episode as much as we enjoyed making it for you. Uh, I want to thank Danil again for running it for us. Uh, while we're taking this break, I just want to let you know about the Kickstarters that Andrew and I are both doing for Zine Quest 2024. Andrew is currently making uh, his zine Battle School. Um, it is a team-based strategy TTRPG where all of your actions are going to affect your team's action and how difficult the task is that you're trying to complete. It is a ton of fun. In fact, uh, hours before recording this, I played in a play test of it and it was a killer time. My zine is called Pink Security and More and it is a junk punk setting uh, that you can use for any system. I personally wrote it with Cypher System in mind, uh, but it is a setting that is about community and kind of rebuilding the world after the post-post-apocalypse ends and society comes back together. Uh, if any of that interests you, please check it out in the link down below, uh, or you can check it out on our website, www.oneshotstavern.com. Uh, thank you again for your support and uh, enjoy the rest of the episode. So who's going first into the uh, empty I'd, dark house? I'd like to this time be a bit, I mean, knowing now having seen firsthand what this can be, mm -hmm. I would just really like to start tapping more into my sense of, of bleed. And like, now that I literally have a sample of it with me, kind of like not mm -hmm. using it as a witching rod or anything, but like, <laughs> if there's something in that way of like trying to feel out any threat ahead of me based on what I've encountered so far. All right. You can use your bleed detector uh, that you have a character sheet. Okay. So I'm going to select that for you. And you can describe the flavor of your bleed detector because every, each investigator has their own sort of uh, mechanism for it. Uh, so for some people, it might be like a pocket watch. For some people, it might be mm -hmm. a pen or a uh, or an amulet or something. Yeah, I just I, I, f I flip over the top card on my tarot deck that was in my pocket and just kind of mm. do that as a way of kind of Cool. sensing what's next and like i'll do a little cardistry to like flip it back to the bottom and then check the next card and so mm -hmm. it's kind of a series of readings that i can just do one-handed while mm -hmm. walking around okay um so you pull out your tarot cards and step inside with the your two comrades stepping right behind you um the immediately the cards indicate this place is filled with bleed and 
as you are focused on looking at your cards, you don't notice that you're stepping into something squishy. Keeping my head up. <laughs> um, it you stepped on uh, three large slugs that are crawling across the floor, and now that the uh, three of you are stepping inside with a faint bit of. Uh, light coming from the street lamp inside you see these just faint reflections on the floor the ceiling the counters the tables of slugs crawling all over the place just completely infested oh do we shoot them i really want to shoot them that's not going to be helpful uh why slugs strange i pull my billy club instead <laughs> Uh, I would like to uh, take a pencil and kind of drop down and like, you know, have a, a slug start to, you know, walk onto the pencil or crawl onto the pencil and like hold it up. Uh, does it seem to be normal, like just just a slug or is, is there something odd about these slugs? Um, There is nothing abnormal about the slug alone as it crawls onto it. I will ask you to roll a sense here, please. Yeah, sense. Do you uh, want to spend any drives on this? Yeah, this I'm going to spend a, a drive. We're getting to high stakes territory now. Um, okay, um, so... With it being high stakes territory, I am cool under pressure. I can use a cunning instead. So I would like to use my cunning uh, mm -hmm. um, instead okay. of my my uh, intuition drive. So Sounds good. Let's just go one? ahead and roll that. Uh, six for my drive. Nice. Okay, so get your cunning drive back. And, Fantastic. Uh, with a six, you uh, look at the slug on the pencil and just kind of crawls onto it, kind of enveloping it, and then slides off. Uh, you look up, um, maybe with like a torchlight, or uh, just looking right. at the area where there's more light. You pick up one thing, and that is that where you can see the formations of slugs, they form a pattern. And it's always the same. There are several of them, actually. One is formed on the table, one is formed on the wall, and one is formed on the counter, and one is disrupted now by you stepping onto it, but it seems <laughs> like they're trying to crawl back into this fractal set of curls. Yeah, so I would, I would, I would pull out my pen. Well, I still have my pen out. I wipe the slug juice off of it uh, mm -hmm. and then take out my notebook and draw out this fractally swirling pattern and be like this is quite interesting how mm -hmm. odd mm -hmm. how should... bizarre exactly mm -hmm. how bizarre how bizarre <laughs> it's, it's troll bogeys um what do you what do you what do you make of this uh Either of you, really, but m mostly you, Henry. I'm just going to, like, I don't know, try and literally, like, connect with them spiritually, like, get what sense I can from those slugs if they're 
giving me like just old magic or like dangerous bleed puddle stuff that we're dealing with. It's giving like old magic. Uh, it's oh, giving like old magic. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. What is it um, giving? Um. <laughs> okay, so. You can try and do a sense uh, here to attune to the mm -hmm. flare and uh, see if the slugs are somehow connected to the phenomenon that you had encountered previously or if this is something else. Okay. Um, I'm gilded in this, and mm -hmm. then I've got two. Mm -hmm. Roll... They're both fives. Okay. Um, so that would not be a success, technically. It's the it is a success. One. Oh, it, it is? is a, is it, so is a success, it's just there is a consequence. And oh, okay. in this case, as you um, look well, at Well, I'm curious the... about bending spoons real quick. So yeah, yeah. you can make a sense roll to control an object in your, the room with like your mind. So mm -hmm. I'm kind of thinking like I would like reach out towards this slug and maybe like one of them would just kind of float up in the air a little bit as I try <laughs> and make this connection with it. And it says on a mixed success, you can take a bleed mark to yeah. make it a full success instead. If you wish to. Yeah. You want to do that? Uh, I think so. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think that feels right. All right. So, um, you, Try and sort of focus your spiritual energy onto the slug, lifting it up into the air to examine, uh, to examine it, bring it closer to you, and also try to understand if there is anything behind it. You're taking a bleed mark, which also yeah, means so, that your let yep. them in triggers. That's where I was going with that. Yeah. So you realize that uh, the slugs themselves are not a product of the bleed phenomenon. They are, however, infested with bleed uh, because they would have probably consumed the contaminated liquid left behind by mm -hmm. a victim in this house. Gross. Uh, which had caused them to multiply and swirl in these strange patterns. Okay. Well, then I guess uh, we continue investigating. I can keep flipping tarot cards with my bleed detector, trying to find more of sure. a central source. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, the bleed detector would lead you up the stairs. So the layout of the uh, the layout of the house is uh, the first floor is where you currently are uh, in the entry. Um, Actually, it would not lead you upstairs. It would lead you to, to the office, yeah, on the first floor. Second floor, uh, if you were to examine it, you would only find a couple of bedrooms and a, another bathroom. Um, and on the first floor, um, where you are, the slugs seem to be more concentrated around the office door. Um, and that's where your bleed detector is pointing you as to towards as well. Okay. So as I approach the door, 
Um, are there any slugs around the the door? Is it like crazy amount of them, or is, are they mostly in the downstairs? Um, there there's a more of them here. Oh, okay. Yeah, the closer you get to the office, the more you see of these uh, uh, slug pools. Yep. Swirling yep. patterns. Yeah. We're about to be stepping into a lot of bleed, so and be careful. You, yeah, once you open the door, even uh, you hear a little uh, the sploosh of the slugs against the floor as you open the door. <laughs> uh, they seem to the ones you have disturbed seemingly keep are unbothered and are just forming back into this pattern. Mm-hmm. Uh, once you're into here, you realize the. Slugs inside the room are glowing strangely with like this faint, vaguely greenish light. And the closer they are to um, to the desk, the more they're glowing. Do any of you guys have any idea what the hell is going on here? Um, bleed. Well, <laughs> I would like to make my way over to the desk, uh, being careful to avoid any reflections in the room. Um, mm-hmm. trying to What's interesting is uh, there is nothing reflective in the room, and the curtains in this one are drawn. Interesting. Okay, yeah. Uh, perfect. So I would relax a bit, mm-hmm. uh, and and head over to the desk. Uh, and begin to look at the uh, contents uh, on and within. Okay. Uh, I'll ask you to, uh, that you can make a choice here, whether that would be a survey or a focus roll. Um, It'd be a survey, I think, would would work well for that. Yeah. Uh, So... I automatically get a get a guild. I'm gonna add a drive to this, and we're going to roll it. Uh, ooh, well, I'm gonna take my gilded die, but they're all twos. Oh, <laughs> all right. Uh, and, uh, so, you, so you want to get your drive back? Uh, can get your cunning back, and um, you start looking through the. Uh, through the desk, uh, in and around it, as the rest of you sort of also is examining the room. Uh, you do mm-hmm. see more of these patterns. Uh, momentarily, you do look up just to make sure that there's nothing reflective and to keep an eye on your uh, friends as well. You reach into the drawer and as you feel something move up your sleeve. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, yeah. Uh, there are several glowing slugs that seemingly appeared out of nowhere that begin rapidly crawl up your arm and to the rest of your body. Uh, yes. I'm going to ask you to take a bleed mark here. All right. <laughs> Uh, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. Get him off of me. <laughs> and on a on a failure, you'll also take a uh, body mark uh, from the burns as 
you sort of shake off the slugs. Um, they fall into the ground and um, you experience a vision once again. As you look at the patterns on burned out on your forearm, they look similar to the ones that you saw the mm -hmm. you saw them forming, right? And the burn marks, as you focus on them, start making sense. It starts swirling for you only. Once again, you find yourself in a completely dark room. Um, you looking around, you realize now this is not just complete darkness. This is a basement. You see, sort of, as you quickly look around you, you see. Behind you, a set of stairs. In front of you, there is a massive ornate mirror standing just dead center of the room. And as you look into it, you see no reflection. You try to withdraw your gaze from the mirror. You are not able to. You just, this is the only thing in the room. And you, you look at it, there's just complete darkness. And you fall forward through it and come back to in the room <sighs> with the burns on your forearm are still itching. And you do hold a journal in your hand as well. What? Oh, um, there's a mirror in a basement. Think? A mirror in a basement. It's dark, and the mirror is dark, and there is no reflections within the mirror. Did you see something else? Ah, uh, yes. This time, it's a dark room, but it, it was it, the room had physicality to it. It it, it, it it's a location, um, and there is just a old, old mirror, no reflection inside, and also I'm holding a book. What? And uh, you said it's a journal. Yes. Uh, I would like to flip to the last entry in the journal. Mm -hmm. One sec. Um, the, uh, so the last entries of the journal uh, just says, they don't stop. They don't stop. They never stop. Their numbers grow. Their bodies swell. Their mind whirls. Uh, Uh, one of one of my students wanted to remove the artifact from the library basement. The library basement. I don't remember it being moved to there. I don't. I don't remember it being moved at all. I don't remember the argument with the student. They said it happened. The only thing I feel is the dread in the pit of my stomach telling me all of this is true, but I can't remember. It feels as I'm not here anymore. Is it another me entirely? Oh no. Every time, yeah, every time I try willing myself to go back to the artifact, Something within me tells me to leave it alone, and so I do. Something within me tells me to warn people, but how? 
What if I... What if I hold a lecture? Yes, I can hold a lecture and warn everyone at once. I'll schedule a talk uh, talking about my research, and then I'll I'll explain what had happened, and people can stay away from it. And uh, maybe that will help me snap out of my walking dream. And three dots. Getting a very how can mirrors be real if I'm not real. <laughs> Jaden Smith. Uh, <laughs> um, I would start to kind of like feel myself. Uh, mm -hmm. There's a slight paranoia now that I am not real. Um, mm -hmm. What if, and, and so I start voicing my thoughts out loud. What if, what if these, these pools of people are not the people themselves, but rather, uh, facsimiles of them. Uh, um, the cocoons. The cocoons. What if they... We need to get to the library basement. The two of you, Sheldon and uh, Henry, you see Thomas shaking, sort of uh, frantically tapping himself, uh, scratching the burn marks from the slugs, uh, just scattered thoughts exiting his mouth, and then speaks about library basement. What is your reaction? Sheldon, I'm actually worried people aren't supposed to be weirder than me. It's in the name. What are we doing here? Are we doing what the man that's losing it says, or do we try and fix him? I don't know if we I don't know if we can fix him without fixing the entire issue. Um Thomas. Uh, yes. Are you here with us in this room? I hope so. Okay. It looks like you're worried about a lot of things right now. Can we take care of them right now or or do we not have the information or the tools needed to take care of them? I think we need to go to the room with the mirror. Okay. Uh, That's all we need to focus to on be... right now. The focus, yes. Okay. You're here, you're present, and I, like, give him a really, like, kind of too firm, like, pat <laughs> on the back. Like, it stings, you know? Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so, the three of you exit the house heading towards the library. Um... Is there any final sort of look-see look around you want to make at the house, or do you just want to head towards the library because that's where it seems the trail, the threads of the investigation lead you? Uh, um, Tom, if I'm yeah. not feeling any other hot spots with like the reading that I'm doing, then I, I'm good to go. That was the hottest, yeah. You do, yeah. Uh, I would say, uh, no need to roll for this, but it, just with your bleed detector already out, you would spot a couple of things uh that you realize are um uh, what's it called um archaeological equipment uh -huh. that is also has remnants and traces of bleed on it right uh, in so the when they dug up room. i'm getting the gist that when they dug up this artifact it it just started leaking everywhere pretty much tools people now it's contagious perhaps, perhaps. All right. Mm. Uh, 
I'm good here if you're ready to go. Uh, no, but we should get going. Yes, haste. Uh, I don't want to be a puddle, and I don't want to be a cocoon, so... <sighs> okay. We move over to the library, changing scene here, as we see the three of you standing in front of the empty building as the night falls, uh, consuming uh, the city in its entirety. Uh, the mist does not reside, and the only light you have is this uh, shimmering electric lamplight outside. The library is a uh, three-floor building that, as you come to, you realize the doors are actually slightly ajar. You do see posters outside. Um, indicating that the speech was scheduled by the professor. Mm -hmm. And it says, on strange reflections. And it was supposed to happen today at uh, 7 in the evening. But due to Professor Gordon's disappearance, obviously it did not take place. Um, so, ready to enter? Yes. Uh, eyes mm -hmm. still darting away from reflections around me. Uh, mm -hmm. I say, for the basement, we must get to the basement. I don't know what to do about the mirror. You can we just break it? <laughs> we might be able to... It, Sheldon. <laughs> in, in my vision, I went into the mirror. That doesn't sound like the right decision. But this is where these it. people are, and these people are there. Yeah, I, I'm not so sure we go jumping into a mirror anytime soon, because that's not going well for anybody else that's gone. Where well, they we don't are. know if they've gone in, or how they've arrived there. Look, step one's containment. This is not a rescue mission yet. We cannot get into the hero game. That's not what we do. We help, but, if you but insist. We, we, we're not going to put more people in danger by worrying about a couple people. This is about containment. You don't let this right. stuff get out of control. Of course. It'll be fine, Thomas. We'll do what we can for these people when we figure out the situation. But Henry, in a very brief, accurate point of clarity, is correct in this instance. Because you're, right. you're weird. Well, let's because you're weird. <laughs> you're a very weird person. Uh, then let's uh, let's go see. Okay, but don't look directly into the mirror. Mm -hmm. I think it might be too late for me. You step through the heavy set of double doors. That give in surprisingly easily and step into the lobby. And as you close the door behind you, 
it disappears, turning That's not into a to wall. <laughs> There's just a solid wall behind you. Okay. Hit the wall. Does Eyes it feel like a wall. solid wall? Uh, you, you can touch it. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Um. What do I feel? You mean how? Like, do you sense any bleed, or do you just yeah, like how, yeah, more on the bleed? So, yeah, I guess. What am I sensing in that way? You sense bleed covering everything everywhere it's dark in it's here white noise uh, uh, yes essentially okay it's a little bit hard to focus it's a little bit overwhelming uh-huh. uh, i'm going to take i'm going to ask uh, i'm going to give you all one brain mark for the yep. stress increasing stress of the situation here okay as you enter you realize you're in a strange place with no exit in sight you look around there's nobody in here there's no light there is a um, it looks like there's a reception desk that doesn't have a receptionist standing behind it there uh, um, rows of tables and chairs all of them just kind of standing weirdly and as you scan the room with the, just your gaze um, you see that all of them are uh, covered in this strange slimy liquid that's kind of just slowly drifting off of the surfaces um, in the reception area you do see you you would be able to realize um you will be able to find some information perhaps on the um, various locations within the library and a map if you need it um, but you also see that there has been a um, everything has been set up for a speech there's a small stage there's uh, rows of chairs and what's kind of creepy is that it's all like set up for people there's not a single person and there is this uh, slime um, that's just reflecting the faint bit of light that seeps through the windows and uh, the slugs are just kind of crawling you see these slime slugs that you saw at the professor's house uh, I would like to put one slug into my containment vial since they seem to be uh, not just at the professor's house. Right. So just get in there, little guy. <laughs> I guess I'll approach the stage and see if I like notice anything or um, where are the. Um... Are there any exits to this room, period? Okay. Are... Uh, I'll ask you to make a survey roll for me, please. Okay. And uh, you have your skill called basic training. Um, this is a high pressure situation, so you can make a survey roll in dangerous place, adding a number of dice equal to your current nerve resistance. And your ner nerve resistance is uh, two. So you get two extra die just from that. Two extra dice from that. 
for a total of three. And that is a six. Nice. All right. So uh, you look around. Um, what you see is uh, that there are these sort of maps uh, layered out on the reception desk. And on that desk, you realize there is a, an exit marked um, in the janitor's closet. Uh, are the maps, like, slimy at all, or do they seem to be not covered in oh, yeah. sl they're, slug like, goo? There's slime, slime dripping off of it as you pick one up. By, so there's a stack of them, and so you pull one that's dry, drier. Okay. <laughs> I got the bottom one. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, this says exit, but I don't know if we actually want to exit yet. Mm. Um, do I see like any path going down to the basement at all, or like um, do I just see other doors marked? Uh, yeah, you would see you would see where it indicates the entrance on the map as well. Um, okay. Um, I I also know how to get to the basement. If um, I kind of give uh, Thomas like just a uh, a lingering look, just making sure that Thomas is okay. Um, mm -hmm. are you guys I'm... ready to get in some deeper trouble and now I pull out my handgun again just uh, be watching me <laughs> um, okay. but yes alright how do you want to proceed moving forwards towards the basement do you want to try and be quiet do you want to go as fast as possible think quickly is Mm -hmm. is best um okay um so here's what we're gonna do uh quickly will be uh here a move roll and uh, this is because moving through the strange disorienting space of the library with slug slime covering the entirety of the surfaces uh, is a somewhat difficult uh path Okay. Uh, so I'll ask. Uh, uh, let's do just this. Uh, let's do one person who leads the group across the uh, almost labyrinthian sense of uh, the library. Uh, looking at the map, looking around, he's sort of sometimes it doesn't match up, and it takes a while for the reality to warp back to how to expect to be. Um, so let's say that maybe. Uh, why don't you uh, take the lead on this, Sheldon? I think you're the best at moving in the first place, so... Hmm? You have the map. All right, it looks like we're going to be going uh, through this door here, two lefts and a right. And, uh... I'm going to use one of my drives to help. Oh, to help. Uh, okay. Mm -hmm. Let me throw another one on there. Yeah. Uh, it's already a six. Mm-hmm. Is there any critical success kind of conditions, like all yes. sixes or something? Uh, there is. If you roll two or more sixes, that's a critical success. Oh, okay, gotcha. Mm -hmm. Cool. Uh, and that means that you accomplish what you set out to do, plus you get to choose like a minor benefit. Um, so that's why it's yeah. worth, you know, always rolling for another drive. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, also, uh, Will, uh, you have a choice here. Um, 
you can take the one if you want to gain the drive uh, back, uh, or you can just go with a six. Do you want to willingly take the payload? We're, we're going to go with the six. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit more chaotic. And like, just give me the one. Let's fail this. Let's see what happens. Yeah. You get <laughs> the drive back, but you're about to use it again. That's right. <laughs> All right. So um, as you push forward, leading the way, sort of sticking to the map, momentarily you have to stop every now and then to just regain your senses in the darkness and the closer you get to the basement the more you realize that the and this is especially uncomfortable for you thomas because as you get closer to the basement you see it seems like the perhaps the slug slime has firmed up turning into a glistening reflective surface similar to like an obsidian glass <laughs> yeah uh, thankfully, you have uh, Sheldon firmly leading you forward, now taking so this sort of military or uh, law enforcement training taken over. You are uh, perfect at working in stressful situations, leading men when they're struggling. Um, so you manage to lead them forward towards the door um, in the basement, towards the basement, which is also unfortunately for you covered in this reflective surface that you, when mm -hmm. you approach it, what you see, uh, Sheldon, is a reflection of yourself, but it doesn't mirror your movement. It just stares um, at you. I don't like smiled, that. It's, it has a smile creeping up to the side. Don't you smack at me. We're coming. As you say, we're coming. The reflection steps out of the wall. The, the surface. And it's like, um, <laughs> it's like a figure that's made of molten wax. It's you. It has your face with this, with this angry smirk that grows wider than humanly possible. Just revealing um, just a black maw. And it starts like moving towards you as it grows and takes in the slime around it. Like with every step, it gets bigger, and there's this <laughs> slime uh, like appendages growing on it as it charges towards you. Um, what do you want to do? You have the initiative here as you rolled pretty well and you were somewhat you prepared. Start blasting. <laughs> oh, gosh. Um. <laughs> Like, I don't want to be that guy, but also I'm just going to shoot the kneecaps. Like, okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I so, think, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> go ahead and take your heavy weapon then. We'll do that. And uh, what is your weapon of choice? Um, It's, it's, so it's... <laughs> the bazooka. <laughs> it's a billy club, but it's like, like three times too big. Like it's, or... Maybe two times too big. We got to be discreet. Mm -hmm. So it's just mm -hmm. a very large uh, billy club that also it's has a like tune billy club. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but like uh, I, um, uh, Henry has taken it from me like quite a few times, and so like there's like runic carvings on it and whatnot as well. I don't know what they do, but it seems to hurt things. Um, yeah. And uh, you might you might have not made it. And then yeah, I'm gonna. 
Okay, you go and uh, charge back at the strange uh, version of yourself. Uh, that will be a strike. This is definitely a high stakes roll. Um, it's a strike, which means you have two dice uh, just to start with, and then you can um, you can improve your odds by adding drive if you wish. Don't know if I want. How do the I'm resistances gonna... work again? If you fail, you can reroll. Got it. Right. So Not first you would roll, then you'd get to try. Correct. Um, can I? Is there a limit to how many drives I can throw into something? No. Okay. Uh, we're gonna... As many drives as you can, I guess, is the limit. Okay. Um, so you can't gonna... spend more than you have. I'm gonna put on two. So I'm gonna be rolling four. Double sixes. Double sixes. Ah! Wait. Uh, does anybody want to add anything before I actually roll this? Good question. Yes. I'm gonna Dude. save mine. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm barely hanging on over here. <laughs> okay, okay. okay. Right. I just want to wait. Go pause because we've been going pretty okay. quick. Double sixes. Oh no, <laughs> that is a four. Uh, okay, so uh, as you go to strike at the creature and it charges towards you, uh, the two of you sort of stay behind. Um, so what are you actually? How is you, are you actually reacting to this? I'm going to ask Henry first. Uh, uh, Thomas is probably a little bit messed up <laughs> by just this happening, because um, like everything you th thought uh -huh. you were being paranoid about is coming true. Um, yeah. So how is Henry <laughs> reacting to this? Um, just like kind of as a, uh, I think I'm impacted. It like pretty impacted by it pretty psychologically in this moment as well, where it's like the experience with with such mm -hmm. overwhelming bleed just kind of leaking into reality in that moment mm -hmm. kind of just like hits him really hard, kind of shell-shocked. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But as I'm kind of regaining focus from that moment and seeing um, Sheldon kind of getting in there just to do some work, um, <laughs> I just... Uh, I think I'm going to use my last gear. Okay. And um, I don't know if it works like this, but I'd like to use it on occult text. And now that I've like seen so much throughout the investigation and I've got this little sample, like maybe I've got something that I remember reading in this book that I had uh, mm -hmm. when we were last, last back at the office uh, in between stops or whatever. Absolutely, yeah. We'll get to that in a second, but let's now resolve um, what Mr. Frazier is doing as you're charging yeah. forward with a massive club. Uh, so this is a case where you could spend resistance if you wanted to try getting six. You would only be re-rolling two dice, though, and you'd take uh, the note. I'm definitely going to do that. Okay, I'm going to mark off one resistance from your sheet. And you just roll two more. A, that's a six. A. Okay. Let's go. <laughs> uh, do you want Do you want to narrate the how you sort of readjust uh, your movement, or do you want me to go ahead and do it for you? Uh, yeah. So, um, uh, as I go to charge him, I kind of slip on some of the slime on the ground, mm -hmm. and I uh, <laughs> I use that to like push myself into a longer uh, stride. And I, I kick his, I kick his knee, which causes his back foot to fall, and he drops to a knee, and then I like club the other knee. Nice. 
Um, I picture that like running and then slipping on a banana peel in a cartoon and then just like leaning into it. That's exactly then, like, what it was. Winding up along the way. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. With your cartoon billy club. That's right. And, and so we see Sheldon sliding forward towards the uh, strange creature. And as you impact the knees, there's no crack. There's just a like a wet Ew. splash of slime uh, going in all directions. And then a sound of sh- uh, shattered glass as you realize the uh, sort of the firm surface around the door uh, has a crack into it that goes like a and the passage towards the basement is open. Is the entity still there, or did it kind of all collapse when it got it hit? All, it all collapsed. Okay. Yes. okay. As it hit the floor with the breaking, the splashing Splash. of the... Got it. Uh, yeah, it all kind of spread out. And you see, uh, as you look to the sides, the several slugs rushing towards those locations. How do you do um, deal with, like, damage? In the, like, so in that case, he came in and he did essentially a test against the creature. Mm-hmm. And this was like kind of a, a one tap, you know, like he was able to yeah. take it down in one go because we're focusing narrative. How mm-hmm. do you deal with like, I don't know, more attrition on an entity if you wanted it to require, like, do you say mm-hmm. like it needs to be hit three times successfully, no damage it, involved or what? Exactly. Exactly. Yes. So okay. um, this is just narrative. You sort of assess the threat uh, yeah. that the phenomenon pres- uh, presents. And based on okay. that, you, it might require more than one success to deal with. Um, sometimes for lesser threats, partial success would be enough. And then you just take damage. So in this case, for example, this is uh, a lesser threat. Um, I would even resolve it on a partial success. So your first roll would be um, like you would be okay. halfway there, uh, but you would take bleed damage from it or Got body it. damage. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. So there so is. Yeah, that. I guess to the passageway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As you uh, open the door um, into the basement room, the first thing that you see is actually not what, but whom. Uh, you see on the, on the floor of the room a person. Uh, no, uh, you don't <laughs> recognize this person. Um, or I guess maybe if one of you had flicked through the missing persons dossiers at, back at the office. It's the student. He, it's the student, yes. Mm. Um, Sal, uh, he steps forward and as he tries to say something to you, he steps forward and out of his mouth is slug comes out instead, slushing, splashing forward. And then he drops to his knees and then in two sort of movements, um, drops I turn away and just continues puking out and a certain <laughs> amount of slugs um, and you realize that uh, uh, his body kind of deflates as it hits the floor as if he's been eating from inside out um, gross <laughs> it's not healthy 
But as you look up from his body stepping past, you realize he's past uh, any form of help or uh, saving him. <laughs> he's a slug pinata, is what you're saying. Uh, yeah, kind of. <laughs> uh, in the worst way possible. Um, You step into a dark uh, basement room. And it's just littered with a bunch of artifacts um, along the walls. But deeper down the hallway, along uh, on a pedestal of sorts, there is a large mirror that stands there. The one you saw in your vision, yeah. Thomas. Uh, and you can't help but look at it. Yeah. How long does it take for us to notice that Thomas is just eyeballing this thing? Uh, I would say um, probably Henry would notice faster as you kind of just more intuitively attuned yeah. to people. Uh, and then just to uh bringing it back up uh, as, as I'm noticing this happening with mm. um, with Thomas uh, my occult text thing was I able to get anything more of that informationally yes uh, you would be uh, you would have realized um, sort of going through uh, so now, now thinking back to it you found some research you know that the professor was an archaeologist. Um, you know there is a mirror. You know uh, the effects, uh, sort of the reflective surfaces in this. Uh, so there's a very limited amount of research you would be you would be able to find on this. But the first deduction that comes to you is this is probably from dig site number three four seven, which is a notorious notorious uh, excavation site that was uh, opened about 50 uh, years ago um, by a it was a private expedition to old fair to excavate uh, one of the areas that wasn't cataloged uh, that hadn't been cataloged pre uh, to that day uh, but there uh, there were like several dozen people that went on that expedition and none of them came back uh the site was uh mostly warded off but people do still make incursions into that area um you figure the professor probably went there and dug something up that shouldn't that should have remained buried and it must have been this mirror you realize also that the mirror is not a mirror it is a portal of sorts uh, it is obvious to you now that the three of you are looking onto a surface, which is, it's uh, just for, to understand the scale, uh, it's, it would be, if you were standing next to it, it would be towering even over Sheldon. It's about seven feet tall. The sheet of uh, glass is reflective and it's just kind of, uh, there's nothing to indicate that there's anything holding it up. It's just hovering in the center of the room. Um... And the surface of the mirror is that of that melted glass that's taken over parts of the rest of the library. Um, and it reminds you immediately of that uh, 
liquid that the people dissipated into. Um, the entire room is coated in slime, and um, as you uh, as you sort of all standing there gleaning into the reflective sheet, you do see a sort of strange alien landscape shimmering through behind the reflection. And there are egg sacs and cocoons. The cocoons, that's them. That's the people. There's also egg sacs. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I'm worried about the egg sacs. Well, do you think we just break the portal? I mean, that does mean I don't want those eggs hatching. I I completely but I agree. Understand that if there's people in the cocoons, those eggs are hatching, and the first thing they're eating is what's in the cocoons. I don't believe that they're still alive. They might be though. I'm more I, interested in those eggs not hatching. I don't know if I want to bank the life of every student in this college against three people. I mean... I might be in one of those cocoons. You haven't... You, you haven't melted. Right here. So, and... Well, I'm not saying don't save people. I'm saying save as many as you can. Especially me. Right. But <laughs> but it does seem like you'll have to come together and make a decision really fast because once again the reflective liquid-like um, uh, surface okay. of the mirror becomes uh, starts materializing into a form of a massive creature that steps out. It has several limbs. Um, and this uh, super um, supernaturally extending maw, there is no eyes on this thing. There is no face. It's just one black mouth that opens, uh, producing a horrifying sucking noise <laughs> as it seems to suck the air out of the entire room. You feel paralyzed for a brief second by this uh by this by its appearance and it um produces this noise and drops on its six limbs like mm -hmm. a strange uh, strange spider like or insectoid creature uh with the, just the uh empty black void of a mouth opened and facing towards you it begins charging so I'd like to pull out my pistol mm -hmm. and just absolutely unload <laughs> on whatever this creature is um, okay go for it go for it and since um, this is uh, probably a high stakes roll uh, uh, very yes <laughs> yes uh, I'm going to use my cool under pressure Okay, uh, this is a control check for shooting, yeah. Yep, uh, so control for shooting, and then I am mm -hmm. going to use one, two, three. I'm going to use three, four drives. Let's use four drives. Four drives, uh, you'll be down to one, effectively. Okay. Yeah. Oh, boy. Two, um, three, four, five total. Better hope guns work uh, on this. Six for, six for my, my drive. 
Uh, and of course, I'm going to take that one to get one of those those drives back. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, it was uh, a one, a three, a four, a five, and a six. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so the uh, as the three of you stare into the faceless features of the strange beast charging towards you. Uh, Thomas is the first one to pull out the pistol. Uh, You've had enough of today. Um, (laughs) And uh, you just you unload uh, the entire clip uh, towards it. Um, The bullets does seem to uh, hit it, uh, but they get stuck sort of in this um, slimy thick that it has as it continues charging forward it doesn't stop it it does seem to hinder it but as um, it sort of presses itself down against the floor and jumps up into the air it's charging towards you now with a leap you take final two shots from your clip uh, and roll over to the side and it lands only so that um, one of its uh, once of, of its uh, claws effectively uh, hits you, you will take one bleed and one body mark. All right, that bleed knocks me out. <laughs> okay, so you gain a scar, and uh, the two of you see uh, uh, Thomas go uh, limp on the floor, uh, and there, uh, sort of, you see the slugs begin to crawl towards where his body is lying. Um, Oh, and uh, one of the the success that I had, the dice that I chose, was uh, drive. Yeah. I believe I get one drive back in cunning. Nice, cool. Um, think for a second what your scar is going to be. Uh, so we yeah. have uh, we have Henry and Sheldon then uh, going first. So your option is either to help Thomas up, or to go and strike at the creature, or try to contain it somehow. Um, do I see an oil lamp anywhere in here? Like uh, anything like that. No, it's completely dark, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Are you like thinking fire? Yeah, yeah. Because I have a lighter on me, right? Yeah. So yeah, you I would see. You, you see an electric <laughs> yeah. box. Okay. You see an electric box, uh, like you know the control control box, uh, where a bunch of wires would be available to you. Uh, if you want to charge your weapon or something like that, if that's what you're thinking. Um. Hmm. Do you have gear available? Yeah, yeah. So, so like, I, I have a handgun. I have a heavy weapon. I was going to see if we could, uh, get an oil lamp out because I was just going to grab that hucket and throw the lighter after it. Um. um why? Let's but... call this explosive on your gear uh, list. Okay. And uh, you'll have it available, yeah. Okay, yeah. So um, I I walk forward and I see an oil lamp that's just like right on the desk. It's very dark, but I can vaguely see just the shimmer of, of mm-hmm. off the glass. I grab it with my left hand, light the lighter with my right, toss mm-hmm. it, and then throw the Zippo mm-hmm. uh, f- following it onto the creature and then yell, okay. Henry! Get Thomas. Yeah, so I'm gonna run over, slide over to Thomas, and just kind of like hold his head and like look at his eyes and just try and see if he's still all there or if it's more mm-hmm. physical. 
Okay, we're about to find out. But first, uh, could you roll a... Uh, I would say this would be a control, actually, for uh, Sheldon. Okay. So you have two. Do you want to spend any, any drives on this? Yep, I'm going to spend two drives on it. Okay, sounds good. So that's that brings you up to four. Contemplating whether I want to do another one. Yeah, we're going to do it. Full send. Mm -hmm. Okay. Oh, I didn't roll five. Let me roll the... Okay, let's see if you get another six. Come on! Ah, that's okay. It's a six. Uh, all right, so... Um... <laughs> The lamp goes flying, you throw the Zippo, uh, the, uh, momentarily the flash of warmth and light fills the space as the oil spills over the, um, the monster and um, it's now on fire uh, and screeching out with this continuing sucking noise <laughs> with it, like a choir of voices. Um, Thomas, on the floor, you wake up to uh, Henry trying to get you up. And the first sort of, as you open your eye and take, <gasps> take a breath, um, the first thing you hear is this choir of noises, of screeching voices. You swear mm -hmm. one of them sounds like yours uh, before you actually snap back into it. Um, and tell us how your scar looks and what you want to change about yeah um he's shaken uh and so yeah. for him he he's a little a little less uh put together mm -hmm. um and so the sense that he had gained uh yeah. is now gone and it is going to go to move okay. um in order to uh he i need to be quicker i need to be faster all right that makes sense um goody you are up, uh, Henry. Uh, you see that um, Thomas gets up and his eyes begin sort of darting from face to f uh, from space to space around you. He seems present. He's here. It's him. So what do you want to do now? Um, as he seems good enough, um, I just kind of look around and um, trying to get any sort of tactical assessment. Like right now we just have the creature. It kind Correct. of came out of the mirror. Is there still a mirror? Yes. It is still there. Um, um and, and the creature seems primarily engaged where right now? Uh it's like a little off to you. So um when it charged towards uh Thomas, he rolled off to the side, right? So you're a little bit off to the side, and right now um uh you see it's uh where essentially you were a few moments ago, and it's now in a fire and screeching outside of in the center of the room. Um, All right. All right. I'm going to pick uh, Thomas the rest of the way up. It was like, All right. We'll I heard try my and voice. get you back, but I think we may need to do something about this mirror right now. We're either smashing it or you're going through. What are you doing? Jumping through. All right. So I'm just going to get him up and I'm going to move him over towards it. And um, I'm just going to maybe from my side, try and like keep a psychic connection with him or like make sure to maintain. 
I don't want to drop my friend down a well without a line out. And so like, I want to do whatever I can, whether that's like metaphysically or physically to make sure that he's not gone. Cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to say this then. Why don't you, Henry, make a uh, sense role for me to attune to, uh, to try and establish the supernatural connection, like a thread between this world and um, Thomas as he goes into, into another okay. dimension. High um, stakes. Be, uh, rolling, you said sense. So this is, yes. I have two. Yeah. Can use two drives. Mm-hmm. Oof. Okay. That's a five. Okay. Um. So. And I'm. It's. It's a five. Mm-hmm. That's my, and that's my gilded die. So does that yeah. give me the drive back? Yeah. Point back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. Okay. So. Uh. As you sort of try and focus on your occult texts and uh, remember the uh, remember how to do this particular ward or uh, how to create a thread. A lifeline, if you wish. Um, Thomas, you dive into the portal and you feel um, you feel this mental link established between yourself and uh, Henry. Um, this is a moment where you'll have to trust a person you had always sort of doubted and like undermined. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I'm going to... Uh, Say you would take one brain here. Okay. Whereas you, Henry, um, this takes a little bit of time. This takes a few moments, which is enough Mm -hmm. for the monster to realize that you're going into its home and its instinct is to defend it. It -hmm. charges back towards you, still on fire, that's now sort of going off a little bit. Um, it's charging towards you and you feel a sort of a warm slash of strange claws. First, it's very hot and then it's very cold um, as you feel impact against your back. Um, you're going to take uh, one, two body marks and one bleed mark. Um, this gives you, however, um, a moment, Sheldon. Uh, as the creature's mm-hmm. turning away from you now and is charging towards the mirror where you see uh, Thomas disappeared into its strange surface and Henry is being now attacked by the monster. What do you want to do? Uh, I'm going to... Uh... How much taller is the monster than me? Uh, it's about it's about seven feet tall, um, kind of lanky. Okay, <clears throat> um, I'm gonna charge towards the monster, and I'm going to uh, wrap my arms around its ankles and yeah. try to make it fall over. Mm-hmm. And then, if I can do more things, I want to take my billy club out and just go to sleep, yeah. go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep, go to sleep. Okay, this will be all one roll, and we'll, it will be a strike for this one as a melee, melee fight breaks out between you and the uh, the monstrosity. So go ahead and make a strike roll. This is a high stakes. Uh, you have two by default. I uh, 
have one other drive I can put in. I have mm -hmm. one more resistance, though, so. Mm -hmm. oh, oh, let's go ahead and use that resistance. Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay. So you're all two dice. Yep. Oh, it was three. What? Uh, yeah, you rolled three, but you only rolled the amount of dice equal to your initial rating, which is two. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, do I reroll both of those then, or just one? Oh. You you roll two two more d six. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that's the near result, whatever it is. Oof. Okay. Yes. All right. So, as you go and engage into a melee uh, combat with the creature, it uh, is now fighting with new ferocity. Um, on a failure, you're going to take a uh, three body marks, putting you at a scar. You can, however, uh, get two drives back because of your adrenaline rush ability. So for each mark you take, you may immediately refresh a drive point of your choice. So do you want to refresh? Oh, yeah. Okay, nerve. Uh, yep, nerve. Okay, you get to a nerve. Uh, great. And you see, uh, sort of first, you feel like you're about to win this. Uh, you grab the creature. You jujitsu is over. Uh, you uh, jump over it, and you sort of start hitting. <laughs> with a club the slime goes flying forward in all directions and then you feel that you can't bring it down you see one of the limbs of the creature is grabbing the club it pulls it rips it out and then all six of these um of these limbs crash uh, your body and then it opens its mouth and it begins sucking your soul out as you also take um three bleed marks here jeez i just went full dark souls boss on you <laughs> yeah uh, so that's two uh, scars yeah that's two scars yeah. yeah so so you're out uh unconscious now and yep. um um okay thomas you dive in you see several cocoons you see three um and it seems like there are uh, uh three more forming um but they are empty at the moment. But through the uh, through the webbing on the two that are currently there, you do realize uh, they have sort of vaguely uh, humanoid features working through. How do you want to deal with that? Uh, um, I want to uh, I want to pull out a knife and try to cut into the can into their cocoons uh, gently. Right, I don't want to harm yeah. the people within uh, i want to make sure whether or not they're alive or dead okay. um and if they're dead uh then i'll probably try to abandon this place mm -hmm. if they are okay. alive uh then i will try to make sure that i can get them out yeah all right. Well, this will be a control for a finesse with a knife and like trying not to injure and just yep doing fine movements quickly uh i'll go ahead and use uh, uh my remaining two drives and cunning okay um uh five for the highest which is a drive mm -hmm. 
uh, and no resistances in, in Nerve. The five is the highest. Let's see. So uh, as you are um, cutting through the cocoon, you realize the uh, body inside it begins to move. As first, you see the professor, of, uh, the professor's face. He's actually a rather tall chap, and so <gasps> takes the full <laughs> breath. But you see that he's completely drained of life. It seems like there's no any sort of indication of color and he's just kind of completely out of it so you have to drag all of them out but one by one you're able to do it however as you are going through uh, the cocoons uh, your hands um, you only spot this while you're cutting the last one they're covered in this uh, strange webbing that begins to wrap around and you swear uh, they begin to move like tentacles um, so I'm going to have you take a couple of bleed points here. All um, right. <clears throat> if I get injured in any sort of way, mm -hmm. it's over, you guys. I've got a two in everything. All right. Um, <laughs> so, okay. So, Henry, uh, you see um, Sheldon struggling against the uh, enemy, mm -hmm. uh, and his soul is currently being dragged out. It's at this moment you hear a thump behind you as Thomas stumbles out with three bodies, kind of he's holding them. They're kind of moving forward, but they seem like they almost ha have their features, facial features erased of their faces. Um, like somebody's gone over with, a, yeah. with an eraser, uh, and there's only barely any indication of their presence there. Um, your friend, however, is, uh, you're about to lose him. What do you want to do? I mean, I'm about to lose Thomas, and it's not like Sheldon's in a very good situation either. Sheldon's um, worse, arguably, yeah. Okay. That's mm -hmm. true, because yeah, he he got He's hit getting hard. his face sucked off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so under sense, it says channel. Is yeah. there some? Is that like manipulating of like the magics that are currently at play? Is that casting a spell? Like, what is that? All of that. Uh, so, for example, if you want to attune to, or if you want to sense to try and close the portal, you may do so. Okay. Um. Uh, you know, your occult text, there would be yeah. descriptions for rituals such as this one. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking that's probably still my goal. I know my friends aren't doing hot. Um, but hopefully I can close the portal and that'll help us. That's the goal. All right. Go for a sense uh, roll then. This is highest stakes uh, you ever have probably. Yep. Uh, I'm using, whoops, I'm going to use my last two drives in intuition. And okay. I have a one resistance. So, we'll all right. See how that if, goes. You, if you do fail. All right. So, yep. so two I'm drives, that's a total of four. Four. Okie doke. Nice. Oh, let's go. <laughs> that's a that's a critical and uh the six one of the sixes is on your gilded die, so you do get Indeed. intuition back as well. Um 
All right. So do you want to describe how the ritual looks or you want me to just... Yeah. So like I just flip through the text and I see some of the um, iconography on like a monolith um, from the dig site um, mm -hmm. 347. And mm -hmm. uh, I, I just start to kind of cross-reference that with some of the other notes I had already scribbled down when we were taking the readings and the different um card reveals that i had when we were detecting this this specific bleed um so i write down um the hierophant death and and the other cards that flipped over and um i can basically can begin drawing the glyphs in the air and as i do it just begins to like uh, i take the piece of paper that i wrote most of this down on and i just kind of like hold it up as it floats in the air and just kind of floats over towards the portal, sitting almost like on a pool of water, just a tissue almost that's floating that just begins to burn from the inside and mm -hmm. then burning and closing the portal. Yeah. As a matter of fact, you realize that this particular creature is so uh, attuned to its uh, home dimension that closing the portal actually makes it uh, disappear uh, and as the portal begins to swirl, uh, the creature gets uh, its uh, mouth off of uh, Shelton's face, turns back, seeing this, and you see that the slimy, slimy out uh, outer parts of it begin to get sucked into the portal itself. Uh, it actually turns around, uh, screeches one last time, and jumps into it uh, with it closing behind you immediately, and the mirror turns into a mirror and then shatters in an explosion. Uh, however, none of the glass shards go flying. They freeze in the air. And then just one by one from being frozen in the air, they fall down onto the floor with a just shattering glass hitting the floor. Um, Sheldon. Yes. Um, let's talk about your scars here. You got two. <laughs> so <laughs> how does, how does, uh, so you have a physical mark and one from magic. Uh, how do they look and how do they reflect on your character going forward? Uh, so I think that as he was sucking my soul and face out, uh, he, he, he popped an eye. Okay, so you're so one. Just, oh, wow. And then, uh, as far as the bleed, um, I, I guess I don't really know what would be a good application to that. Maybe now, because um, he was so close to that uh, ectoplasm, whatever you want to call it, that um, he, like, gets glimpses into um, the shadow realm with his mm -hmm. remaining eye. That will sometimes like just show the shadow or the reflected version of, of a space, and then it like flashes back, uh, which uh, causes him a lot of anxiety. All right, and and so he's definitely a, a bit more uh, trepid about mm -hmm. everything now. Yeah. All right. Um. So I'll I'll name your scars then missing eye and then otherworldly eye. So for, okay. for the, it's like part of the same injury, but uh, two mm -hmm. different sides to it. Um, so to an average observer, you just seem like a person who's missing an eye. But uh, 
it actually gives you some ability. And what uh, sort of action changes do you want to make here? You can make two. Uh, so I think it would make sense to have um, for missing eye. Uh, minus maybe a minus one to movement or no yeah, oh, yeah. A, survey makes the most sense there actually yeah survey and you want to put it into sense uh yeah mm -hmm. okay that's one of them and then the second one would be from two from the anxiety or whatever <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. yeah from the bleed Uh, so what would the minus uh, focus? Minus focus, okay. And yeah. into? Uh, sense. Mm -hmm. Okay, both into sense. Interesting. Yeah, well, it makes sense, though, as you are more supernaturally attuned now uh, than mm -hmm. focused on the world. And uh, the three of you make your way out of the basement uh, as you... Uh, go past the electric box, you turn on the lights uh, on the entire building. And as the lights come on with the... Dun, 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 the You realize the all the slime is gone, all the reflective surfaces are gone. You're just in a normal library. That's a little bit in a rough state. And as you exit from the basement, you do see at the opposite side of the hall the door out of the library but uh congratulations on uh concluding your assignment um which you uh, did so successfully so yeah i hope that you guys enjoyed uh that episode and enjoyed the actual play gameplay content as much as we enjoyed making it uh it's one of the reasons why we're doing what we're doing is to learn these new games and to absolutely have a blast while doing it and sharing it with you we want to try out as many systems as we possibly can so if you have a suggestion go ahead and uh, comment it anywhere you can find our socials. We will add it to the list 100%. Uh, like always, make sure you follow the podcast, subscribe, uh, like, comment, and of course, share it with your friends because word of mouth is the best way to share a podcast. Thank you guys again. Take care.